All right, so we're going here. Uh, I'm here with, uh, well, I'm, I wish I was here with Jenny Benjamin, but I'm via Zoom. So this is not my, like when I started the podcast, I really did it so that I could actually have sit down face-to-face, eye-to-eye, because if I go to look at you, I got to look up at my camera, and then right. I can't see you. So it's <laughs> terrible. And then um, we have a tendency to speak over each other and everything else when it's like this too, because you can't take the like social cues as far as what's going on. So, um, but this is, you know, the COVID situation, this is, this is how I'm doing it. Um, you know, uh, you know, like I said, not my preferred way. I I really did the podcast for the conversations and these are good. Uh, I've had a couple of, uh, like, uh, ones with just friends where we're just hanging out and drinking and stuff like that (laughs) is not the same. It's not the, 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 the jokes aren't as good. Nothing's as good. But uh, so, Jenny, you're you're an author and uh, a poet, and uh, I'm an idiot. So uh, I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> right, I'm not going to be able to. Like, I probably if I read a poem, sometimes wouldn't know it was a poem. Uh, I believe. Uh, I think Obama had a poet do something at his mm. inauguration, and yes. she was reading a poem, and I was like. Oh, that's a poem. All right. Like <laughs> I thought it had to be like, you know, the silly ones when we were kids that you learned and everything else, but it, it's, so what makes something a poem? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, if you like music, you know, that's uh, lyrics are very poetic and oftentimes can be an equivalent of a poem. You can think of it that way, but okay. you can have a poem be free verse. So it doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to have a specific pattern or you could have formal verse, which is you follow a set pattern and rhyme scheme. So every okay. other line or whatever the rhyme scheme is, it rhymes. So those are some basic things that make it a poem, but really a poem is just anything that, you know, captures an emotion in space and time that someone in one place is trying to communicate, this is what I feel and this is what I've experienced. So here it's to you, the reader, what mm-hmm. can you do with it? And how do you feel when you read that? So I think it's, it can be many different things. Sometimes just small phrases can be poetic. Right. So it's definitely art because, you know, like if you see great art on canvas, it definitely gives you a feeling of, you know, it made me, and everyone might get a different feeling from it. But like, if you look at like Picasso's blue period and stuff like that, you, there's some things when you look at it, you just see sad. It's like, wow, that's yeah. sad. That look, guy looks lonely. Uh, even exactly. though it's not quite, it's a little distorted and stuff like that. It still is lonely. Uh, but uh, so I think that there's a certain amount of bravery to that. Like you're, mm-hmm. I mean, when you, so if you're writing something, I got to imagine those are your feelings. Yeah, that's a really good question. That's um, because sometimes, well, when I've done book clubs, which for either my fiction or my poetry, um, (laughs) I feel like sometimes they want to ask, hey, are you okay? You know, because like some of the stuff you're writing about, either A, A, you know, just what kind of trauma have you been through or what psychologically is wrong with you? And it's the thing is when you use your imagination, you can go anywhere. So sometimes it's, it's me, but it's not me. So it's maybe a sliver of something that happened to me that I 
give a narrative to. So I give a story to. So it could be in the poem, it could be in um, fiction, and it becomes its own entity then. So um, I, I, I like that you say it's brave, but there's also a little bit of um, cowardice too, because I can hide behind a character. You know, oh, right, I don't yeah. know if that's the right word, but you know, sometimes, oh, well, I don't know. I, I had this really icky thing happen to me, but I don't want to just come out and say it or write a memoir about this thing in my life. So I'm going to work through and make this character and then make this happen and this happen and that happen. Right. So. But if somebody, I would think someone would almost see through that, especially if they had been through something similar, because you can't walk through somebody else's, in somebody else's shoes. So, you know, if, if you're, if your feeling hit the mark or was genuine, they would be, they would know that you, you know, the character or not, you right. go through this thing, uh, which, like I said, the, the, there's, uh, especially like for a guy, I'm sure there's male poets, but it would be just boring to me to like, want to like, I don't know, express feeling. Like, when you said it's, it's like music, then I get that because the lyrics to music have always been super important to me. Um, okay. It really is. Like if I, there are songs that I listen to classic rock stuff that I'm like, how did I not hear that part like 20 years ago when I first heard that song? Like, you know, as a dumb kid, sometimes you just pick up the chorus and you're like, yeah, I like this, this rocking song, it's cool. But right. then like later on, I hear it and I'm like, wow, that's actually a whole lot deeper or it's about something completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that's beside the point of having, so I, I, with my construction company, I would have guys on the jobs, we'd have a radio blaring while we were working. And, you know, every once in a while, someone would walk past me singing the wrong lyrics. And I just thought <laughs> that was the greatest, the greatest thing ever. My favorite one was my, my, one of my guys, Bob. He was, uh, there is a, uh, a Stevie Nicks song that is uh, the White Winged Dove. And it's mm -hmm. like, just like the White Winged Dove says, ooh, ooh, ooh. And he is, he's at the top of his lungs singing, just like the one we love says, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, what did you just say, man? And, you know, it was just wrong. But he was deep. I kind of like his line better. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, so, you know, with that situation, like, how's the process go? How do you, you're obviously an empath of some sort because you can look at something mm. and try and feel for them too, right. which, you know, I would venture to guess there's not any like real hard wing or right wing you know, uh, taxation is theft people who are like, you know, empaths also in writing poetry because, you know, all they care about is whether my corporation gets taxed or this nonsense like that. So like those don't probably make great poems. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's what I'm reading into it at least. I, I don't, you know, I don't know your, I would, you do have a book for Barack Obama. So I would guess that you're not rightly. Oh yeah. I'm about as, I'm left of left. Right, but, <laughs> So yeah, my, I'm, I'm myself, I'm like some weird enigma of, I don't know, it's just a weird combination of things. There's things that like, I grew up hunting and stuff like that. And the, the way that I grew up hunting, like I was really instilled with this like respect for the animals and mm. respect for the fact that you're only going to take what you're supposed to take for the day and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and using every part of the animal and then there's this whole other like relationship that I'd have with the dog because I always hunted over a dog. I mean, mm. so much so that like I had a job 
that we were on and I had to bring my hunting boots to the job the one day because they come up to my knee. It was really wet there that day and I didn't want to get wet. So I brought my hunting boots. The dog saw me get the hunting boots, thought for sure we were going. I couldn't take him to the job. So I felt bad, but I had to go. And that dog did not look at me for like three days. He was like, Oh, you got the cold shoulder. Yeah, he was totally upset with me that he he can't believe you went hunting. Because the thing that we do between each other, you know, it's me and him and whoever I take with me hunting. And then afterwards, when I dress the birds and everything else, Mm -hmm. he gets parts of it and everything. Like it's a whole. It's a whole process. Yes. It's a whole thing for him. Like it's his whole purpose in life. And I still had cheated him out of it. So it was, it's funny to say like, you know, he had feelings about it. Obviously he had, oh, said, absolutely. You know, if, he, if he could write a poem, it would have been a nice one. It would have been something really rude. <laughs> the jilted um, poem. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I did not get a chance. Um, like I, you know, I've seen you on Facebook and stuff like that. And I, you know, Googled you and then looked at the books the poetry stuff sounds super interesting because it's like, and I didn't get a chance to read any of it. Sorry, but you know, that's I, okay. I, no, I, I will. It, sometimes I think for me, like, you know, uh, I like creative writing and stuff, but I think I'd, I don't know, be like out of my depth with poetry. So I figured maybe I'd talk to you first, <laughs> see how that went. And then, you know, go ahead and like, try and pick up one of your books they're they're available you know on amazon and stuff like that so i, I can grab one but uh so most of your poetry what's it about like how, how's you know how well, you- well i have um <clears throat> so two chapbooks out and chapbooks are um shorter than so this is good if you're trying to kind of get into poetry i think chapbooks are nice because they're shorter than a regular volume of poetry so maybe 16 to 20 some pages rather than like a 40 to 50 page poetry book. Okay. Cause that can be overwhelming. I think, especially if you haven't read a lot of poetry. Sure. So the two chapbooks books are um, called one's called midway and um, it's, that is written in form all different forms. So have you heard of a sonnet? Yeah, 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 right. And then, okay, so uh, you know of some forms, but there's all kinds of different forms in there. Called like, like I wrote a triolet or a villanelle. So basically, every poem in that um, chapbook is some kind of poetic form, okay. and um, I think that has a lot of different, some older poems, but and very brand new poems right before it got published, and that thematically <clears throat> deals a lot with grief and dealing with the death of my father and caretaking too for my father. He had um, a pretty debilitating stroke um, when I was just 30, 29 or 30. And so my sister and I, who ended up in Milwaukee, we moved our parents up here to help with the caretaking. And and, um, this is right at the time I'm having kids, you know, so it was... um, well, it seems like it's been this pretty intense life. Um, like I think of like pre that time and then post that time and 
I'm like, wow, I was in this cakewalk. I didn't even realize it. And then sure. life hit and it got a lot harder and, and, but also a lot of beauty there too. And I don't think, so Midway is definitely dealing with some grief and processing that, I think. And my mother was, who's passed away this year at the time I was writing that was starting to fail with congestive heart failure. And again, helping with her care. My, she lived with my sister and sister's husband and family, and they were the primary caretakers, but I'm in Milwaukee. I did a lot too. So dealing with grief and I liked writing in forms with dealing with grief because it kind of gave me a, a package. Like um, if anybody who's had a loss and as we're getting a little older here, but you know, we've dealt yeah, right, with right. these losses and, Absolutely. and what I find is that it's a way for me to contain the, the grief and deal with it. Cause we can't just boohoo all day and just wallow. I mean, some days we might or whatever it is that mm -hmm. the challenges or the grief is, but for the most part, there are other things that have to be done. So it's a way to kind of face it on and grapple with it and then try to make something, um, beautiful out of that. So that's, that's midway with the forms. And then more than a box of crayons is, um, I started writing my, I called them my color poems. I was doing this little color project and I would, um, ask people, I was in uh, the writing group I had at the time. I did questionnaires for them. Like what color would you name? this, you know, or pick a person in your life or describe this color and your memory from this specific color. And I wouldn't pick like fuchsia or, you know, I'd pick just blue, yellow, that your primary colors, purple, those yeah. things. And so then it was so much fun to collect that information from people and to get their feelings on different colors. So the core of more than a box of crayons, and you can kind of see it with the title, um, is my color poems but intermixed in there is some just poems I thought that thematically worked with some of the things happening in the color poems so tried to answer back kind of like when you're comparing and talking about music you know those artists are thinking about the compilation of the the whole um album and what songs what the order really matters and then trying to get the themes together and that kind of thing yeah, yeah, I you know I was having that conversation with my son not that long ago about how albums I don't I don't think they work like that anymore because everything's just Oh really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything else now. So like, you know, somebody posted uh on social media uh Led Zeppelin 2 and the first time that I bought my own albums, the Led uh -huh. Zeppelin 2 and Black Sabbath Paranoid were the two albums that I bought. And okay. I remember those two albums, I remember like, you know, the, looking at the albums themselves for the art and everything else. And whenever somebody plays a song from the, any, any, really any cassette I had as a kid, I actually know what the next song is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on a cassette yeah. where my sons, I don't, I think they just go right to Spotify and they make a list. And they it, have their playlists. Yes. It's completely. And I'm like, there used to be an art form to, creating an album and it created like a, a way of feeling through the album sort of thing. Exactly. Right? It's not, think of a poetry I'm... book like that. So when I was putting the poetry together, I was thinking of that, you know, like, like a playlist, like, well, not a playlist, but uh, it's a compilation. So you want it to kind of move through and, and like you said, if you had, you heard one song and you knew what was coming next, 
there's kind of like you want maybe the next one to answer to something earlier or reflect oh, yeah. back. So it's, so it's like, a, is it like almost telling a bigger story or is it like, you know, like a, a fireworks show where they start out small and then ends up big. You know what I mean? I don't know. Is there like, if you go to a concert, a lot of times a playlist is more about that grand finale kind of a thing where right. they play their biggest hit, old hit or something like that at the end. Um, they play some yeah. new stuff in the middle, uh, you know, or however they arrange it. But so, you know, I, I, every artist has got to be different, right? With, with yeah. Start. And every book, like, um, I just got a book from the library. I love this poet, Ross Gay. And this, I can't wait to read this book. Now see this, wait, I can't get it in the, it's called yeah, yeah. Beholding. Okay. She's one of my favorite poets. And so this is supposed to be, and I don't know anything about, gosh, I can't even think of who the sport person is. So it's kind of this, um, uh, about a basketball player, but also about um, systemic racism, you know? And sure. so he's, he's telling a story through these poems. So they're all going to keep a kind of narrative going. And I'm flipping through it now and he actually has some photographs in here. So this, I can't wait to read this. So this would be very different from what mine was because it's not, um, it doesn't have a narrative arc. So it doesn't have that storyline, but this I think is going to. So do you feel that like uh, creative wise, you know, a lot of artists, they, there was, there's a movie that, uh, like I'm a big movie guy. I love, you know, watching a movie and like really trying to pay attention to what's going on in the movie. And mm -hmm. then some real weird, like avant-garde stuff I like, which sounds strange for just a guy, but uh, a Barfly that Mickey Wolf. Oh yeah, classic. Who, who is he supposed to be? He's a, he's a certain poet. That, oh, is he? Yes, he's somebody so that, that's real. And like the guy like lived the way, because I mean, the guy's a mess, right? Like he's yeah. a complete alcoholic. He, anytime anything good comes in his life, he ruins it. He fights it. He, he does everything to destroy it because I think he, deep down, he feels that it helps his art. So yeah. he's miserable. He's better. He's a better artist. So do you yeah. feel that way? Like, I mean, you said you wrote the stuff about, you know, taking care of your father and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. When times were good, do you had to struggle to pull the emotion no. out? Cause I, then I want to capture um, the joy too. So I'm not that kind of writer. I like to, I can't be miserable. <laughs> yeah, there's too many good things sure. to, you know, be happy about and to too much love surrounding me. So I think that um, there's definitely, you want, I definitely will go to the places of despair and, and look at them. And your comment before is dead on. I am very much an empath. So, um, and also your comment about, you know, COVID, how it's changed. And so I'm one of those, like, oh, this is great. I can read more. I don't have to go places. Sure. You know, I'm just. Well, I'll really, tell you what, I don't mind it that much myself. I, yeah. I, I, like I've made my home into a place that like I like to be. So Me I'm, too, yeah. I'm on water and uh, uh, you know, we got like, you know, geese and ducks and I've stocked the lake with fish and nice. you know, I've done the yard the way I want it. The house has been done the way that I want it. We spend a lot of time in the gym. So we've got a full like big gym out there that, that we spend a lot of time in. And that's where like the movies are at. So like I just put some streaming network on and then watch movies. And then I'll spend sometimes five, six hours in there just because I'm putzing around. 
I can't do that when it's uh, June because we're so busy with work. Oh, like right. my, my like weightlifting and stuff like that is very on again, off again. I may get in there like once or twice a week during the summertime mm-hmm. if I'm lucky. And then in the winter, it's every <laughs> single day that I, I hang out in there. Just do that. And yes. if I work enough in the summer months, summer, spring and fall, I can always have this like two, three months in the winter where I'm financially fine. I don't, doesn't bother me to be off. I'm actually like planned for it that way. When right. I started out in construction, I tried to be like a guy that worked the year through. And I realized it was almost impossible to make money in January oh. and February. Cause every guy I got working for me is like warming up his hands. He's, oh, he's yeah. got gloves on. He can't get screws and nails out. It, it's no, just it's good. too cold. Yeah. So I would just, lay them off, like go yeah. and do whatever. And I'll just be off. I'll go skiing, snowboarding, whatever. Mm-hmm. But so like I've adjusted my brain to be able to do it. It, it takes a little bit. I'm real antsy. Like I can't sit still. Mm. And I don't know if you know my situation, but I was in a construction accident 17 years ago. So I broke my wow. neck 17 okay. years ago. Um, I'm paralyzed from like my chest down. So this was like a real difficult thing to be a guy stuck in this situation because yeah. I sleep like six hours a day and I'm always on the move. So being able to go out to the gym and work out for like three or four hours for me is like therapy. It works. Yeah, I bet time. it is. Um, so being an empath, that would get you to a point where you could look at somebody else's sorrow mm-hmm. and be like, this has got to feel like this, like to them sort of a thing, which right. I, uh, you know, I would say I'm an empath for sure. Like I definitely try to, there's this fine line that I got to walk because I get a little aggravated with people. I'm on a couple of uh, groups that are on like social media that have to do with like wheelchair stuff. And what I look at those for is like travel tips and stuff like that. Cause there's certain places that a guy in a chair can go that I right. can find time. It's fun. Um, right there's certain towns that have done a very good job with the sidewalks and stuff like that. And I am in a manual chair. I can do 10 miles. No problem. Like I, I like to wow. be able to do that, but there are areas that it's just flat out dangerous. It's like, yep. it. they've just done a terrible job. So like, I look at those cities and stuff like that. Um, St. Louis was awful. It was terrible. Really? Oh, every curve cut out was all bad. And we went down there for the NCAA wrestling tournament and, I would not advise it for somebody. So that's what I look at it for. But every once in a while, I get one of these goofy posts that somebody is like just whining about. Don't call it handicapped. These people are very sensitive. And I get on there and I'm like, just shut the fuck up. (laughs) That is so far from my brain. Like I do not care, you know, like figure out things to make things better. Um, I don't want a parking spot that is, in front by the store. I don't care. If I'm going to go to Costco, I'll get a bus around the whole store. What do I need mm-hmm. to be by the door for? Mm-hmm. Put one at the back of the place because no one's going to try and steal that thing or abuse it. And then I can have a spot to get out of the vehicle with the extra. Right. So those are the things that, that, that bother me. And then 99% of the time, I don't even think about that stuff. So yeah. it's not a thing. When I talk to my African-American friends, they, I mean, I had a guy in the podcast who teaches black history in the Chicago public school system. He does not care if you call him black, brown, African-American. I mean, 
you know, we're not in the 1950s, so you better not call him a Negro or anything right. like that. Like that's, you know, a little bit weird. But this woke, I think the left has is, is got a marketing problem and it's the wokeness thing. Like this hypersensitive, you know, if you don't want to be called a snowflake, stop acting like that. Like, yeah. And then, well, it goes into writing too, like the cancel culture, you know, that some things out there um, that just get eviscerated from, you know, the social media and things like that. And then you have maybe an author um, saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wrote that. I'm sorry. I did that. And it's, I think it, you're onto it. It's a, there's a, a fine line with that. Like there's some things that I, I really agree with. Like, um, but I also think that it's a way to really destroy the imagination too. So for instance, um, I have different fiction out there that I'm trying to find publishers for and things like that. And I have um, one trilogy that the protagonist is an African-American teen and he's, um, he's a black kid, you know, and he's, I'm in his head. It's, he's my main character. I, that's my point of view character, the whole trilogy. And I love this boy. And um, he, so for instance, as I could be so far from that, I clearly don't have that life experience. (laughs) I'm a white woman um, and middle-aged white woman. So but I can imagine it. And um, so what if that got, you know, that could be very much criticized and be canceled because I haven't lived as a black um, teen. Sure. But then on the flip side, I'm not going to choose to write from the first person perspective. So I did this, I did this. I would feel inauthentic to do that. It would take, I, I would criticize myself for that because that's um, that's giving some authorship, you know, some, I, there's, you can't help it. If you read something written in first person, you're going to really feel like the author had some of those experiences, or you're going to feel like the author somewhat is that character or had some authentic life experience to make that um, story. So I think that yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, I think it's just this mix, you know? And so you, like, you want to have diverse characters and you want to have um, um, something that reflects humanity as it is. And, you know, that's different colors, so you, that's different that? genders, different sexuality, things like that. But right. then, you know, you also can only, you know, um, can an author also then imagine what it's like? The other thing that I think also helps is, you know, you don't write, I would, I didn't take that story and write it like I'm living in, um, in an inner city. And I went like the hate you give that, that kind of story. It's a sci-fi story. So those kinds of things can help you do those, make those imaginative leaps. So I know what you mean. It's, it's a mix between that, yeah, the over, I, I, I was just talking about this with my, my daughters of the overwoke culture, <laughs> you know, it's, um, I think it's counterproductive. I, I have, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I derive my, uh, left values that I have 
or you know political ideology honestly because i believe it's things that work to make the world a better place yeah. so and it's it's really less um about like uh i don't want to say it's less about somebody's feelings because like my problem is is that we, you as soon as you say like that uh, I, I posted something about the, the this phony war on Christmas thing. That's not a thing. Like that's something that somebody on the right made up. And then any time that some overwoke person plays into that narrative, you're helping them stop talking right. like that because there are no. Well, I'll see someone that says, "Oh, I was at work and I said uh, Merry Christmas," and this lady she blew up at me. And I'm like, okay, first off, let's just stop you there. The, uh, the woman's obviously got mental problems. Because right. a sane person would not blow up at you for saying something like Merry Christmas. Right. Unless the situation is you know that that person is a Muslim or you know that person. Right. Is Jewish, yeah. And every single day you walk by and go, Merry Christmas, motherfucker. Yeah. Like and that's antagonist. another thing. Right. If you're, yeah. if you're antagonizing them and you're leaving that out of the story, then, you know, maybe I believe it then. But do I believe that you're the, you know, cashier admirer and someone walks in, gets a gallon of milk, you're like, Merry Christmas. And they're like, they turn around and give you the what for because you said Merry Christmas. No, I don't believe. And if they did, there's some deep underlying problem. But I'll get someone that'll come into that thread and argue that you need to like care about these people's feelings. And I'm like, whoa, you just made what, what this outlandish statement that she made legitimate by saying, defending like the other, like just don't even do it. It's nonsense. My left feelings are more like economic. Mm -hmm. I know for sure that trickle down economics doesn't work. I know for sure if I give the CEO all the money in the world and every tax break, he's not going to hand out raises. He's just going to buy a yacht and that's it. So, you know, I want, uh, like, and I mean, I'm real far left economically. Like if someone said billionaire is running for anything, I'm like, don't vote for him. That's not that they're a, they're a parasite on society. There's no reason for those people to exist. And I'm not saying that the human being shouldn't exist. I'm saying we should have a tax system that makes it damn near impossible for a billionaire to be a billionaire. Like yes, guys that make $11 billion a year, I have no idea why anybody that even took a, a basic economics course thinks that that's a good idea. There's a guy right. sitting on a literal mountain of money and there's other people that can't afford to get an education and all this other stuff. Right. It doesn't make any sense. It does. Um, right. So, and I think it's also, it's not sustainable for the billionaire even. Sooner or later, Walmart's mm-hmm. going to run out of customers because no one has any money but them. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But if you really start to like, you know, smoke a little weed and then start thinking about money in general, you can start being like, there's almost no reason for money because this whole thing is, <laughs> I'm cha- you know, if I just keep, if I have to give it back in taxes so they have money to buy my stuff, then what am I doing? Why, why am I? <laughs> you know, it, it, so it's all a real deep, you know, and those are the conversations that I love to have. I right. like for people to philosophize about why do we do this like this and then wonder about how would life be 2000 years from now and humans, Mm -hmm. if we haven't like killed ourselves on the planet, how, Mm -hmm. right. How would societies be? Because 
it seems to me that the way we do this, especially if you go to an inner city or something like that, see tent cities, sooner or later, this is not sustainable. What exactly. we're doing is not going to work. Right. Um, so I want to get back to the poetry stuff. Um, do you do any research? So your pr- protagonist is a young teenage black person. Do you talk to them and see how they feel or do you just feel I like- do a lot of research depending on what I'm doing. Uh, absolutely. I um, do all I can to get into, I've done interviews before. Um, <clears throat> I taught um, um, in Milwaukee here um, for, wow, uh, 11, 12 years. So full-time and part-time with small schools that were focused, they were in partnership with the public school system, but they were small settings geared to help um, at-risk students. So at-risk would mean behind in grade level and skills or could be a teen parent, someone who is truant. Um, so the, pop, the, the demographic was mainly uh, black kids in the schools where I taught. So I had, um, and it was such a small setting that, I mean, the was more than just student teacher relationship. They're like family, you know, we all, I, we still say our Nova family and with a lot of just not the teachers, but the students in the Nova Tech family that where I taught the students were, are a part of me in a way that my family is, you know, and um, sometimes more than some people you are actually, you know, maybe related to and it's those adopted family. Right. If I have a choice, I, my family is not somebody that I like, those are people that I was like, even as a teenager, I'm like, these are the people that somebody just gave me. I didn't choose these people. You, you can't pick your family. No, you know? right. I have these <laughs> people until I, can, until I can drive and then I don't have to deal yeah. with <laughs> yeah, anyway. I was very, I'm very close to my family. So like, sure. uh, you know, so I have that too, but I, I am not a person who is blood is thicker than water or whatever that saying, you know, I am right. blood is irrelevant with the connection, the soul, soul connections I have with so many of uh, my family former students and the people I taught with um, in such a close setting. And it was, it was magical. So I guess I do have that experience. And um, the, so for that particular character, a uh, few students probably informed, but he is unique, I think. He, well, the thing is when you create a fictional character, it, it starts from maybe, you know, it's it's not going to be this carbon copy of like a person that you know you're creating sure the person and so I don't, I don't i don't think it's as difficult as if you're if you're an empath where you really are yeah. trying to feel for somebody like that like um a good example for me is male to female right like mm-hmm. you can't as a male and i mean i'm six foot tall i you know, walked around with a like 30 inch waist. I was a 195 pound guy. I was trained to fight. I did not, was never afraid anywhere that I went. Right. Right. But then like, and I don't think until I was like in my thirties did I think about the most dangerous thing on the planet to a woman is a man. Yeah. 
So like there are certain situations that like, so I would almost equate that to like a, a black person and a cop, right? There's certain situations that they are uber aware that they're in this situation. Like if you're, I don't know what your stature is or anything like that, but if you're in a situation where you're maybe somewhere alone with somebody at night in a building that nobody's in, you have to be sort of aware that they're yes. right. And for me, if I was alone in a building, I'd be like, Oh, what kind of trouble can I get into? Like, you know, yeah. like, I'm not worried about anybody coming out of the corner or doing anything weird. But when you're a woman, you have to be worried that way. And you know, people, I think some guys, they watch too many movies or see, and they see some woman like beating up guys and stuff like that. And I was in combat sports. That's not a thing. Like that, you know, well, what I mean? like if I was to punch a woman, she's falling down. It's not. Uh, yeah. Crazy. There's just some physical right mass difference right, right. you know right. so you just can't get around some of that when i saw stuff like uh you know women that are accusing someone of uh rape or accusing someone of sexual harassment i look at him and i'm like this is a brave person because she's putting her neck out for everything she's gonna she's gonna get backlash from oh big time yeah neanderthal women who thinks that she's just out for a buck or something like right. that and then she's definitely going to get it from from knuckle dragon dudes that just can't even wrap their brain around this right. situation where she went to work every day and felt like she was being overbearing don as you know as far as like some guy was there wanting something from her and then the positions of power and stuff like that I've always been the boss. Like it's never. Yeah. Been so you don't have those. Right. Right. So give it. Right. Like if you give me a time to sit down with someone and try and like absorb that. When I sat down with Kwame for the podcast, I've been friends with the guy for years. I've talked to him. His son wrestled. Mm -hmm. I never really said, but we talked about racism. We talked about, and I was like, this is a guy that every single morning he wakes up and he can't get out of that. He can't, he can't not be that. And to go somewhere and have a certain percentage of the population lock their door, think that he's, right. a, this guy's not a problem. This guy's an upstanding citizen for sure. It, it has to be disheartening in a way that's yeah. almost, I would think some people might be defeated by it. Like, just like, right. forget it. I'm just, I'll just be what they want me to be. And I'll do that. Yeah. Right. So, I can, I can empathize with that situation. So I don't think that you're any, like for me, and I know you were talking about cancel culture. I don't think that anybody's out of line if they're trying to mm -hmm. bring those feelings to the forefront of something, whether you're- Bring a story forth. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I think it's a, a great angle. Now, you know, I think there's racism on both sides. I don't, think that white people deal with racism anywhere like black people do but yeah. i have met black people who have been raised not to like white people because yeah it happened and i mean well, they're justified in it they're it, it's different though you know because they're in a society that has um is systemically oppressive and is you know it's never going, you can't compare, you know, I'm not saying that people are not, um, you know, if you, you might not have those, you might have those feelings or raised 
a certain way, but I'm sure that there's just a life experience behind them too, to see, you know, that you just drive through the inner city to few blocks you're in these very affluent neighborhoods where everyone's white you know you're there's just these divisions that are inherent and that go through our economics through our education system through um everything healthcare. you know um you don't want to the 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 percentage of black women who don't feel like they're hurt or treated well um it just it's just the it's no matter what a white person says, they can't say anything because they have never been um, treated poorly because of their skin color, you know? So, right, that's and, the whole people talk about, well, I must have left my white privilege somewhere because I had to work hard all day. And I'm always like, but you got a job, right? Yeah. I, make any sense well, I can't people. stand when white people say like, um, well, you know, I've had it hard and, that's that's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is saying. That is not, you know, just just for one, a shut up and listen for one thing, and then two, it's it's not about your life. It's not about your experience. There's all this, and and it gets into the whole, you know, American individualism, and me, 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 and making it. That's like the opposite of the empath, but saying, but, you know, I've had it hard and it's, it's completely just flying over the point. And um, you can get into those conversations with people that is just so frustrating. And, and I mean, um, Jenny, I blame the, the generation before us. The 80s was like, uh, there's a documentary on Showtime or something right now about the Reagans. And like, there are right wingers that think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think he's awful. I think he's the most horrendous. <laughs> one of the worst presidents we've ever had. It was a complete charade that this guy was an actor and like they put him out there. They said, yeah. we can put millions of dollars behind this actor guy and he'll act like the cowboy and all this other nonsense. And he was, he was horrible as far as black people went. He was horrible as far as homosexual people went. The, the guy wouldn't say AIDS for the longest time. He wouldn't even say the mm-hmm. word. So like he was just, he was, he was a bad president. And he started to set us on this course where we were, we cared more about corporate America than we did about people as far as that went. So, yeah. you know, it, right. it, it was, he was, he was bad news as far as I go, but he's, uh, Ronnie's there, somehow their hero. I, yeah, I, I, I think that if I, I was trying to get this like big picture thing going on. Right. And if I look at it and I say, okay, if you're running around town and you're waving your American flag, screaming, we're number one, America number one, all that's like silly stuff that doesn't matter anyway. First off, you're obnoxious. Second off, can you list what we're number one at? Because you, you're going to be wrong. And secondly, if you wanted to be, or thirdly, if you want to be number one, wouldn't trying to educate the people that get the least amount of education have the least amount of of options from the word go wouldn't that make america better if you could bring Absolutely. the up that would be the thing that would make it better because just, just 20 years from then you would start to see more scientists more the whole thing right now i've read some books like history stuff and i i hate to be one of these people that's like this is worse than ever because it's not there were times in the country that were worse that were def- we've definitely made progress on race you know i mean homosexuality is 
come out of the closet, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Um, but we, we can do so much better than this. Oh, absolutely. And, and it seems like even the um, people don't read any history, the, the, the wealth gap, uh, like Rockefellers and those people were actually a lot wealthier in comparison to regular people than say Bezos is. And Bezos is like ludicrously wealthy. Like it's, it's, it's way out of line. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I think art is definitely a way to do that. I just think there's certain people you're just never going to get through. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, in this political um, setting we've been in, you know, you just have so much um, divisiveness and there's just so, so much. And um, we're being fed. Um, we're looking at different media for one, you know. Yes. Oh, gosh. You know, if now, you, have you seen the the exodus? So the, Facebook has actually gotten a little bit better because <laughs> all these real wackadoos exited to parlor to go get their, you know, like crazy tinfoil hat shit on and no one's ever going to put like a fact check below one of their posts, you know, that says Hillary Clinton eats babies. Like they're going to just, they're just going to say that. And then also I did see a couple of people that were coming back from parlor and like, Oh, forget that. All it is, is people screaming obscenities because there's no check. There's no, you can say whatever you want to someone. They won't like boot you. They won't, none of that stuff. So they're there and they're like, it's just the wild west as far as crazy goes. And I'm like, you know, that that's not good. And then, no. so the internet has been awesome as far as like me and my sons are, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we shouldn't, but we do. We have our phones with us all the time and we're constantly looking up things like we're science nerds, right? So like, we're always looking up sciencey stuff. We're looking up like today yeah. we are looking up, like, you know, somebody was saying that, uh, how do we get a English bulldog from a gray wolf? Like that seems crazy that because every canine came from a gray wolf. Well, right. until you break it down and start looking at stuff. Yeah. But there are 30 different canines that first came from a gray wolf. You got like a Fox, a coyote, all these other things that look totally different. And then yeah. the dogs came off of those lines. So you had millions right. of years of evolution that you got. And then you started working to make an English bulldog or a chihuahua or exactly. thing like yeah. that. Those are things that me and my sons do with the internet. <laughs> things other people do with the internet are insane. No, not the same. <laughs> no, not the same at all. Somebody sent me a link this morning, and she's a dear friend. I love her, but she sent me a QAnon one, which mm. it's my guilty pleasure that I love to like look at it because mm. it is the cr most batshit crazy stuff that you could ever think of. It is straight up like, you know, it's a cult. And it is, yeah. um, somebody needs to put out a book on what a cult is so you could recognize it when yeah. it shows up in front of you. Because cults do things like, I'm the only one with the truth. And um, they do things where they ask questions and then you, they know your tendency where you're going to go with the answer. Mm -hmm. So they ask the question and then it's almost like that movie Inception where they make you think that you thought of it. Right. But that's that being controlled. You're, right. right. That's you're so fully, insidious. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. This, um, this, this link was like 40 minutes long and it was like, <laughs> it, it, it was everywhere. It was chemtrails and like 
the whole thing, which to me, it's like, it's, it's like a train wreck. I can't stop looking at it, but it also scares me a little bit because people believe it. They yeah. Believe that's the it. scariest thing to me. Yeah. And yeah. They're, Jenny, they're believing things that like, I, I would guess that you're paying attention to the current administration that's on its way out. <laughs> right now. And that thing to me, here is a man who has never failed to take credit for anything he ever did, which he did very little. And he took credit for things that he didn't do. And they believe he's a secret agent who is going to like get rid of all pedophiles and he's not going to take any credit for it. If he was doing that, he'd be telling you every day that he was doing that. And he's not. Because he's a, yeah. Right, so he's self-important. Yes. Right. Narcissistic. Like, and right. he's got this like, uh, I don't know. I made a, I made a career as a young man out of like finding people who were fake and then getting them to go on the parking lot and get beat up. So like, you know, it's somebody that was fronting. I didn't get that. I was puffing his chest out and stuff like that. I'm like, uh, about 1030, that's going to be my guy right there. I'm going to go, you know, we're going to go out in the park <laughs> and find out. And um, Donald Trump's that guy. He's fake. It's all paper mache. It's all just fake. Mm-hmm. And these people believe it so much and some of them are not they're not dumb people like i know them personally and when they tell me that or when i see a post and i'm like oh no you believe all that weirdness and it's 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 hard for me to swallow it's like i can't square it i can't i can't wrap my brain around how somebody intelligent could could do it yeah i think too and i talk about this a lot (laughs) like like we're not i don't know if there's just some misconnect sometimes between um and then i know the 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 callback on what i'm going to just say what it's i can tell you what people would say to this when i say you know finding credible sources then people might say oh well it's a leftist media yeah there's no you know that, that, so I can see where this is going to ping pong and things like that. So sometimes those arguments, but I can say this as a writer, you know, I, you know, because, um, so this is, we've talked about my creative stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm also a, mainly an educational writer because my okay. background was in teaching. So the freelance work I do is mainly not completely, but, um, you know, writing for textbooks or tests or, um, those children's books you mentioned, the Barack Obama, you know, those are um, nonfiction for kids. Yes. They could maybe use in a classroom, um, yep. things like that. So, you know, in my job, you know, I can't just, well, I can't use Wikipedia. I can't use just any old whatever off the internet blog or whatever post things people are putting up, I have to go to credible sources. So, you know, like if it's a government site or if it's out of a university or an encyclopedia that like, where's the misconnect sometimes I think with being able to like really track down and fact find about and, and fact and, you know, and, and then also when you said, do you ever interview people? Yeah. Getting, like real life experience or interviews or things like that, but you can't always do that, but being able to discern what is a credible source. And I feel like there is some misconnect or mis- disconnect with some people with that. 
Um, well, there's also this situation where, like, I like Google. I'm on Google. Like, if, if you look at my computer and, like, the thing is in popularity, Google's always, like, second or third. On, like, I'm always Googling something. But the way that I search, use a search engine like that is I use it, especially if it's something where I'm trying to find a fact, too many people search for the answer. So they have yeah. the answer that they want. And then you can find that because some Nimrod is writing that opinion mm -hmm. piece that you want to read. And then you, mm -hmm. that's fact then. And that, it's not right. fact. It's just another opinion. Tell me piece. the answer I want to hear. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> so they, they, they yeah. find it, the thing that they want to find. And I'm like, there needs to be in high school now, because this is a, this is a fact of life. Like search engines are a thing that we're yes. going to use. And they're going to be there. There needs to be like a class on, I don't care if it's a quarter or a semester or whatever it is on how to properly lose, use a search engine. Because yeah. for me, it's absolutely, I can throw my ideology out the window. It's mm -hmm. the fact that you're wrong and you're saying this thing on social media mm -hmm. that absolutely like triggers me. I get like a look a little bonkers. <laughs> like I'm like, that's not right at all. Like you're, 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 right. You can't back that up. You can't quantify that with anything. Right. Saying it. So here I am. I got to stop what I'm doing because I have to, you know, and I see you like liking things and stuff like that, but you don't ever get in the weeds. You don't ever like, and I can't help myself. I have to get in there and be like, you know, you, this can't be like this. So like there needs to be a way where, you know, my, my line for those people is always toughen up, buttercup. You, you just because you're not getting the answer you like doesn't mean mm -hmm. that you need to throw a fit or any of that kind of stuff. You're just wrong and deal with it because that's how it is. So like, and I have been wrong. I have looked up stuff and I've been like, Oh, um, I had a conversation about guns with somebody and I thought that most illegal guns were obtained by the means of, I broke into somebody's house and I stole their guns. Mm. They're not, they're mostly obtained by straw purchasers. So a guy that's a felon gets his brand new girlfriend, who's not a felon, to get a FOID card. Oh, or, right. Or whatever. That makes sense. So, right. Yeah. They, they just have them straw purchase the, the, the weapons. And sometimes they drive around to multiple gun stores by filling up a trunk full of guns. Then they take them to the city to the gang members wow. and they get them. But I did not know that. It, it seemed like that was a less feasible way than I just break a window and then steal the guy's guns. So, you know, but I was going on logic and that's the other problem. That's the problem with these QAnon things is they try and prey on, there's a lot of people that think you can figure anything out with logic and you can't. Like there are things that if you don't know anything about it, we build stuff. I can give you all the material twice. And if you don't know anything about carpentry, it's not going to happen. You're not going to no. Because it's not logic, it's it's the it's a system of things that I learned over time. And right. research is the same thing. You need to learn from what happened from people that were there yes. and all this other stuff. So for you, I'm surprised that the current situation on social media doesn't drive you more batty than it drives me. Because you you're know, it, it does. It, I limit my social media big yeah. time. Like I I'll go on it may so, and sometimes I'll have periods where I'll go several days. I will not not even look at it um, because it it just well it it'll send you into a spiral, you know. And and some of it is too. 
you know, I'm a single parent. I don't have tons of time. So it's, and so am I going to spend my time in, like you said, getting in the weeds and getting in these, cause I've had, I've done it, you know, I've done it. And then you're in this all day and it's consuming and it goes nowhere and yep. it becomes kind of a waste of time and yeah. I don't have a lot of time. So, and it's too, I'm very, very protective of creative space. So it's, if I'm going to be creating something and writing every day, I, I don't want like that to infect it. And, and so sometimes, I mean, I'll, if something really angers me, I will say something. Or if there's someone who does something that I think is out of hand, I'll call that person on it. But I, I find I don't like to get in the back and forth. I did it earlier, you know, what Facebook especially has been around. I can't even remember 2009 or something. And, sure. and, um, what I would probably engage in, you know, years ago, I'm just a lot less hands off. Oh, I'm, a lot, I'm actually a lot less now too. I think I had more time on my hands at one time too. So I did it. And for me back then, it really, um, reading is a thing that, that I like to do. And I was turned on to it by someone I dated years ago. Like I was, I would read stuff before that, that was uh, nonfiction. I always felt like I don't have time to read things that are novels and stuff like that, like fiction. Mm. I always felt like I want to read uh, something about uh, Lincoln, something about, you know, Washington, sure. some, some historical figure or, or a battle or something like that. And then someone turned me on to novels and I was like, wow, this is actually so much better because mm -hmm. it's, it's fiction, but it's, it is, there's way more emotion that goes on in it. So, sometimes right. uh, a nonfiction writer doesn't really, delve into the emotion of what's happening in the time they just tell you the what happened and how the story went and stuff like that right and it becomes you kind of become like spock where you're just like you know very logically thinking about the things and and uh my favorite author uh, and it's an old one is john irving like i just oh he's so i don't good. think there's anything i've ever read and i've read oh a dozen of his books novels that i love them all and it's for me, he just fits like the categories. So, you know, wrestling is a big part of our life. There's always usually wrestling in his books. There's, uh, my grandparents spoke German. I try and teach myself German every chance I get. And there's always someone speaking Austrian or German or something like that in the mm. books. Too. There's, um, all kinds of, uh, like romance. And then, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's weird because he's a writer that's mostly, I guess, prevalent in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. But he's really open-minded about sexuality and, and like all the yes. kind of things. So yeah. like I really dig his writing. Um, and I never, as a guy in my 20s or teens, would have thought I would ever utter the words, I have a favorite author. Like that doesn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, Do you like historical fiction though? I, you know, um, I do. I, I, I like, like... So like, you know, if someone writes something that is what you're saying about that, that's like, it takes a historical event, but it makes a fictional story inside that event. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Those, those are awesome. And then I do like a movie like that too. Like I like a Terrence yeah. show where, you know, the inglorious bastards where he totally changes the, right. the once upon a time in Hollywood, I, I could watch that over and over again. Some of that though is visual, uh, like I like that mid 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 century modern you know look and then the clothes cars mm -hmm. and all that stuff, but uh, the book thing, 
sort of ruined some movies for me. Like I read, uh, oh God, some somebody's man. It's, it's it was a Nicolas Cage movie, but I read the book first. It was somebody's mandolin. I can't believe what it, remember what it was, but it's a oh it's the kind of, um oh. story off an island in Italy that yeah. a Greek island in Italy and this. I can't think of it, but I, I, it was one of the first novels that I read. And then I had a visual picture of who these characters were in my head. Oh, right. And yes. when they put them on the TV, I want to kill the casting person. Yeah. Cause you're like, like, this is just wrong. Yeah. You not read the book. Yeah. This is not yeah. that guy. Nicholas right. Cage is not that guy. Like that can't right. be the guy. Uh, so like, but I always think that's pretty cool. Um, and then I still do like, uh, I can't, I can't, I listen to many podcasts. I don't know. If, I, I'd like there to be another hour in each day if I could get it. Like if somehow we could work where we do daylight savings every single day, <laughs> an extra hour, I'd be thrilled um, because you know there's just not enough time. But I listen to podcasts and then I try and listen to some books on audio. And I'm listening to uh, what is it? Uh, Zim's uh, A People's History. Uh, it's mm. it's the one that's from. Goodwill Hunting, where he said, you want to read a yeah. book, pull your hair back, and you know, yeah. tells you to read that. And I have that on audio. So we take a trip anywhere, I'm, I'm listening to that. And that is history from another perspective and history mm-hmm. about things that we didn't want to talk about before. Right. So it's the pretty cool too. Yeah. So there's so much good stuff out there. And the internet is that too. Yeah. Spend their time on just, Don't, yeah. Yeah, just crap. Like It's right. amazing to me that they they'll waste time on stuff like that. And you're, you're like hundred percent correct. I have started where I look at my timer on my apps and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to go past 30 minutes a day. Right. And then my problem is I'll get some meathead trying to call me out. Like, where you been? And everything else. And I'm like, all right, I got to go back on there. Cause this guy thinks <laughs> like he's right. And he's not right. Uh, but it is, it's a time suck. It, it, I, it's the worst thing ever. Like the, the social media thing's terrible. And then the other thing that's really bad, and it's, I don't want to say it's bad, like, because I'm not one of these people that was ever, that would say, like, video games and violence and movies and mm. pornography or anything. Like, I don't find that bad in small doses. Mm-hmm. But, like, I had a friend of mine who, I think I talked about this last night, who told me he watches pornography for, like, eight hours a day. And I was oh, like, wow. yes, right? That face says it all. <laughs> Whoa. I raised eyebrows and I looked at him and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, your brain's got to be mush. Like everything about what you're doing, you understand that that's how do you function around a woman yeah. now? Because like, that, yes, it's all a mess. And he's like, yeah. I, and he was like, I got a problem. And I'm like, you have a problem and you need to stop doing that because that's going to ruin you. On yeah. every, I don't know how you're ever going to have a conversation with a woman. I don't know how you're ever going to actually have meaningful sex in your life because that's not it like that ain't it at all and i mean now it's readily available i don't know if you have sons but it's like what kids wise what do you have three girls oh three girls right so dangerous for them because they have to live in a world where the boys Mm -hmm. are dealing with that's what they're that's what they're dealing with and then secondly like well i got my boys i pulled them aside and i'm like hey there's this thing out there. It's like this. I'm sure you've looked at it because you've got phones and you're, you know, doing whatever and you're teenagers. The 
just talk to me about it. That's not reality. That's not real. Right. There's no woman that wants that. And if you find one that does, you should probably not be there for very long because that's yeah. not, that's not good. And I go, and I, it's not good for you, son, because you're going to miss out on the beauty of the real thing that, that could right. happen. Um, right. I mean, there's, you know, nothing more spectacular than the connection between a man and a woman like that. And the pornography misses all of it. It's all about right. taboo and nonsense and just weirdness. Just, it's odd. But you can go down rabbit holes of between the QAnon thing, the pornography. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a million YouTube videos that are just at flat earth, just nonsense. And right. people turn their brains to mush on that stuff. Right. How is it that's what's going to lead me back to literature and writing and stuff like that like has that fallen off dramatically because there's so much more available to do you mean do you think do i think like more people if 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 you took me and you back 40 years right took us into another generation Mm -hmm. you would have far more time to read a novel or a poem or whatever like that sure four channels on the tv yeah, I think parents really struggle with that, right? You hear um, how to get my kid to read and things like that. Um, I, I think that, yes, I think that there are a lot of people who maybe aren't reading, but then I also know a lot of readers and young readers and kids who are just, they get the right book and they're in, they're just, and they, um, a couple of years ago, I took my daughters to see Rick Riordan. I don't know. Have you heard of him? He's a, so he's a, um, uh, he writes for kids, but he reimagines the Greek myths. Oh, the lightning thief. That was a movie. Percy stuff. The The Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, we are, we just love his books, the girls and I. And, um, so he came to Milwaukee and I, I was, (laughs) such a geek i was in tears like just looking at all all the kids in there because he has this camp half blood where where all the demigods go and train and okay we sure. all wore our camp half blood orange t-shirts and <laughs> nice. there are all these kids and i it was just magical and it was packed and they sold out right away it was um through our independent basel here in milwaukee and um so i'd like to and so, yeah, I think kids, like everyone else, there are so many competing things of what we could do to spend our time. You know, it's everything we do is a choice. And I think, especially with the pandemic, we've had just so much more time, you know, just in terms of like, especially if you're working more at home and you just don't even, have, you cut out the commute, just that alone. How yeah. much time did you commute? You have this time, yeah. you can yeah. fill it. Yeah. And, um, but I think I'm always hopeful for literature. I'm always hopeful that it's um, going to, because, and I think it shows with the pandemic, how many more people are reading poetry or go, turning to poetry or turning to stories or um, listening to different audiobooks They would have never, I, I've been addicted to this um, one uh, actor who I heard him, I got an audio book where he read, um, an Agatha Christie book because I love the Agatha Christie books. So I'm like, I just need something just chill. You know, that I love this. I know the story and it's going to relax. And I, well, this actor, and I've seen him in period pieces before. I'm just totally in love with his voice. So like, I'm starting to just, I just, who's the, who's wanna, I want to hear Richard Armitage, you know? And so I'm now exposed to different stories I hadn't heard before just because I want to hear his voice. 
Nice, nice, nice. No, hey, that's that's something that's cool. Uh, so my sons are different for sure, like different than they they definitely read more than me. They're far better students than I was, and um, like so, people around us were worried when we took this. We took a gap year because of COVID, and really yeah. it had more to do with wrestling. And then I also wanted my sons to get the whole college experience. They're both going to yeah. go to school. And I wanted you to go like live away at school. Right. And I knew that if I sent you away this time, you'd be back in a month and it's not going to work out. You're going to do e-learning. Yeah. So like, let's just see if they can't come out with a vaccine and then you'll wait a year and go. And people were like, you better be careful because, well, I shouldn't say that. Most people were, that's an awesome idea. That's great. They're going to get money to work. They're going to get a skill, yeah. do all these other things. And I go, yeah, the only thing that kind of sucks is they can't travel. They can't do anything to, right. cause it's a mess. So, uh, but, so but they took this time off, but the concern with the people that were concerned was that they would fall into working and then they wouldn't want to go to school. Mm. And I was like, not worried about that. I know my sons, they're both very much looking, they want to be engineers. They're super sciencey geeks as far as that stuff goes. Like they'll, the dead of winter or not dead of winter like when the when the lockdown first happened uh in the early spring we came back here and they're like doing electrical engineering projects out in the garage and like you know stuff they're like sending away to amazon stuff to get you know different parts that they're making do things and stuff like that and then they're like hey we got all those two by fours out there can i build a catapult and i'm like go ahead <laughs> so they did. and they built this like big huge catapult that was throwing a tennis ball like, you know, hundred yards out onto the lake and uh, the dog loved it. Cause he's going out there to get it, but that's what they occupy their time with. And I know that when it comes time to go back to school, they're looking forward to it. And then yeah, the other reason for the gap year was wrestling because I don't want to lose a year of that because you can never have that back. You right. can go back to college when you're 40, but you're not going to wrestle again. So, no. uh, so, so they'll be able to wrestle next year. Yes. It, right. They'll, yeah. they'll be able to wrestle. And they're, you know, their coaches were not very understanding about it. They were like, no, 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 no. You know, come to school. We don't care if, you know, the year, don't worry if the year doesn't happen, you, you know, won't lose your eligibility. And I'm like, but do you want to go to college for a fifth year? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, so then like, just, just take the year. And I guess from what I heard in Europe, that's a much more normal thing to do is to take more yeah. between high school. Yeah college and like go travel do things so i'm perfectly fine they're gonna go and i have been pleasantly surprised to like bust down to their room to go get them and somebody's reading a book and i'm like hey mm-hmm. you just read the book now there have been times where someone's reading something i'm like what are you reading and it's like some wacky you know and i'm like no like that and it's like it's political or it's like it's and it's just you know there's definitely times too where i've gone to the gym and like my one son's looking at, you know, a podcast that Alex Jones is on. And I'm like, you know, he's nuts, right? Like, just make sure you understand he's crazy. And they're like, he's like, he's saying some things. And I go, Hey, everybody popular that says crazy things. There's a little nugget of truth in all of it. Cause that's how he hooks the people into listening yeah. to the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's like, all right. And I'm like, just, I'm just, I want you to make your own decisions, but you know, I'm not lying to you. And I got no reason to. Right. But, so uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by the amount of books that they've picked up. So mm-hmm. to me, that was good. 
I am amazed because I think that me as a young person, like, I mean, I read the stuff for sister read for school called wild and all the, like all, you know, the things that they hear, but I wasn't reading on my spare time. Like that was not a thing I was doing. I was, you know, Mm -hmm. out doing stuff and and had places to go and then work, you know, and everything else. The audio book, are any of your books on, are your, your, nothing's audio. Okay. So, cause like, I find it odd when there's an author that's a prominent author, like I've never done a John Irving book on audio, but I would fully expect him to do the audio. Sometimes they do. I've noticed they do, but then I think it's, they're really as audiobooks have grown in popularity, probably through audible mainly. Um, yeah. But I mean, they've been around, I think too, a thing that kind of tipped it over was the, um, the reading Jim Dale reading Harry Potter series. I don't know if we're total oh. Harry Potter geeks over here. And we right. listened to those, not just read them, but listening. And Jim Dale, like his, the way he would change each character's voice was so amazing. And I feel like that kind of tipped the audiobook world over to, you had more actors, true actors coming in and getting, you know, being the readers. And then, you'd have more people maybe wanting to listen because they know the actor or actress. You know, for me, I would swing more towards the Tolkien stuff, the Lord of the Rings. And like that to me is more, you know, my style of like, you know, the, the it's, I mean, it's more action or whatever, but the Harry Potter thing, I'm like, you nerds, like that's like a, you know, more nerdy thing. Yeah, it um, is. Oh, you don't get, you know, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan too. You're a geek too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can be a total geek on that too. And like, that's another thing that's kind of, so that's some of the like uh, uh, societal progress that I've seen too. I don't know how your parents were, but my, my father was certainly, there was a certain element of racism that, and he's a left-wing guy. But the, there's still a certain element of racism that he grew up, the guy born in 1949, you know, he had a certain amount of racism. His father had more than he had, and I have less. And my, and some of it for me is more like, my, some of my closest friends were, were black guys and stuff. Like, I'm not, I dated black women, like, not a racist guy, really. Um, I understand it exists and stuff. But like growing up, when I grew up, if you saw an interracial couple, you definitely took a double take or like took a note of who's doing that sort of thing. Um, my sons say it's not even. I think that's that has been a, such a big progress. It's just yeah, it's right. it becomes a non. Um, well, we have kids about the same age. Like my oldest is eighteen, and um, my youngest is eleven, and it's it's not a thing and they just you know everything's just mixed and 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 then and two i see a big difference with um um you know sexuality too that that's that's really different yeah. where i feel like um there's definitely more progress now of course you know in different more conservative um maybe smaller towns and ones where you know really conservative Christian or other conservative religions that um, shun <clears throat> maybe, you know, homosexuality, things like that. You're not going to see it. But I think for the most part, yeah, kids are like, whatever, you know, um, 
be who you are, date who you want. And I think that's huge progress from when we were growing up and where we grew up. I mean, really. Well, even, yeah. the, right, even the transgender thing is, right. for my sons, like they say there's all kinds of people that are at school yeah. that are that way. And like I had a guy on the podcast who was a woman that we I went to school with and I knew mm-hmm. her then and there was always something that was a little off. Like it was not mm-hmm. right as far as it went. And you could tell that something wasn't, she wasn't falling into like the, and she was dealing with something too. And now that she's a guy, like it really was not, I mean, you know, it was, wasn't hard too because she's got a beard and everything when she came for the podcast. Uh, and then we went through everything. She, he was very like, very down to earth and even dealt with, mentally some of the things that people that aren't in his shoes deal with like there's the children out there that some parents are telling them when they're five and six that you're a girl and it's a boy and i don't know if that's right i don't know if you know there could be a time where you're just a little confused or something like that and like we went over how it's a setback to go all the way through puberty and then start to transition because mm-hmm. as a woman, you get the breast, you get the bigger hips, you all the things mm-hmm. that you don't want because you identify as a boy, mm-hmm. but you got to get to a place where you're an adult, where you can make those permanent decisions to begin with. Right. So there's this double-edged sword, but he was like, totally like, I, I'm not for that. I think that the person needs to be a mature adult before they can make, and he, he's like, it made it harder because, you know, she was top heavy and stuff like that. And like this had, if she would have, when she was a, she started taking hormones as a 12 year old, which he said at 12, 13, I knew. And I'm like, so did we, we saw you and we kind of knew too, but right. still had to wait until right. I, Maturation. I like 30. Right, right, right. So like, there's this fine line that mm-hmm. it's almost like you don't know what to do. I certainly, feel for those people. And I certainly don't think anybody would do that as a choice. Like doesn't seem like a thing that you'd want to have happen to you. It's a hard road, right? I think that people have to answer what's inside of them. And I think, you know, one thing that has to be said is that if you, anytime you're going to choose a road that's going to make life a lot more difficult for yourself, then you really must feel that. And then that's what you have to do. And um, what I like is just the more the fluidity with, and again, it's not completely, you're going to have people who are judgmental, but just fluidity about what people want to wear and how they want to present themselves. And I think that that's, I mean, of course, there are going to be really hateful, mean-spirited people who judge. But I think for the most part, it's, and again, I'm a really open-minded person. So I have really open-minded kids and they're going to be probably around more open-minded kids. So maybe I don't have a, a true perspective. I, and Now but, your lifestyle too had to lend itself to more where you had time because of the injury for me, I had time in my hands to actually have more conversations with my sons about these things. So, you know, and we were up late, late last night, probably like two in the morning. I was talking with my one son and we always kind of like delve into this thing. Like how would, who would my sons be if I never got injured? 
guys I don't really know. You're, they're, they're outstanding wrestlers. I don't know if I would have had the time to put into that the same way because I worked 80 hours oh. a week in the field. Like, you know, I didn't want to yeah. be a uh, parent that wasn't there. Right. I'm pretty sure I would have used the excuse of I'm putting a roof over their head, all that other bullshit. Sure. Completely. Like it would have been a bad deal. Right. Um, where they're not like that, but there are things that they don't do because I don't have, like, I'm not out hunting with them and stuff like that. They don't do those things where that that's what I grew up doing. Um, so I'm like, I don't know, you might be a better hunter fisherman, but you might be a less of a wrestler. And I go, you might be less of a student because right. I spent a lot of time, like it almost seemed, I said these things to them when they were real little, like six, seven, like you're going to school now, son, pay it. I wanted them to pay attention to what I felt was important, which was science and math. Mm -hmm. And someone like you would probably be like, well, you know, what about the arts and literature and mm -hmm. stuff like that? When they were little, I was like all just hammering science and math, science and math, science and math. And now I have two sons that want to be engineers. Yeah. So it's all science and math. And I kind of like screwed them up because somewhere in their like 16, 17 year old life, I started saying, hey, you know, you're spending all this time on wrestling, all this time in physics class, all this time doing these things. Are you doing anything like a play or anything like, and they're like, looked at me like I was, what are you crazy? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I go, you should like look at these things because there's a lot of things that will help you understand life. And then when I first got injured, I took some psychology classes and mm. I dug that the most. Like I thought this is really an inside look on how the inner workings of someone's brain, why right. someone feels that way. And whenever I, there's some podcasts I listen to that have that sort of thing. Like they go into like um, the tribalism that we deal with right now with political stuff has a lot to do with an evolutionary trait that was like, you have to have a tribe because you got to survive in the wilderness. Right. The tribe. So you can identify as something. Um, right. You know, with the writing, are there circles of writers that you like, you know, associate with? Like, cause everyone's got their different thing. Right. So like there are people that are conservative writers. They make a buck. I mean, yeah. old people buy books. So like, yeah. you know, right. uh, do you, do you have colleagues that are that do you, like, is there a circle of people that you do you deal with people like that or no? Well, I think my circle of people would be, pretty similar probably if we're talking politically oh, like yeah, sure. i wouldn't <laughs> i i i would never probably buy those books or really ever see one of those writers speak or things like that like and even ones who um well like fiction i'm trying to think you know i wouldn't like if someone wrote like i don't know backgrounds and things of like all the fiction i like to read um I don't look into the author and I, it's like, I don't want things to be so alienated that you can't be open-minded, but I'm not going to read um, something like a piece of nonfiction okay. from a conservative writer. That would just not be that interesting to me at all. Okay. I, I guess I could use it for um, argument's sake. I would maybe read it for how to argue with someone like that. <laughs> right. But that's an oxymoron, right? I mean, conservative nonfiction. Isn't it just mostly fiction? Like, I mean, honestly, it is. Like, when you, like, so the books that really freaked me out were the uh, Ayn Rand stuff. 
Oh, like, yeah, I never read those, yeah. No? Okay, so I had an uncle hand me that. I got about three quarters of the way through Atlas Shrugged, and I'm like, this is the biggest garbage that was ever written. This is like yeah. just nonsense. The whole gist was that if you make life too hard on very wealthy people, they will just quit doing the things they're doing and they're holding the world up. And my view was so the opposite of this. I'm like, if the if if Walmart shut its doors tomorrow, the middle class would just buy stuff from Target. Right. But if the middle class, some disease came along and it killed the, all the middle class off, Walmart's done. They're not going to have anyone to sell anything to. So like this thing where if rich people, if who's being hard on them? They're rich. Like it's obvious. <laughs> it's tough life. So like what mental gymnastics are you doing to get to this yeah. point, to write these books? Right. And they are hugely popular with that conservative ideologue. Mm. They love those books. Yeah. And I am, I mean, I had to be respectful to my uncle, but I was like, this is just garbage. This is the right. like, and she's got a huge following and that will yes. die on welfare. Oh, wow. Like, you know, what, what are we like? So, you know, but I guess my, my, the, where the question was going for me with you was like, how do you look at those authors? Like it, it'd be much easier. I would be far more popular on, I don't do it for the popularity anyway, on YouTube or something like that. If all I did was conspiracy theory. Yeah. Crazy. Cause those get clicks, right? People. Right. Want to see. So if I, I would be a more popular real estate broker if I was a conservative one versus a, the, the, the you know, the liberal yeah. that I am. So it would financially benefit me, but I can't like morally just right. that person. So like it, 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 I feel fine about it. Money's when I was working before my injury, money was a thing. I made a pretty fancy living. I had like a lot of property that I had bought all that stuff. When I got injured, I had a lot of time to think about those things. And if mm -hmm. someone said to me today, would you trade your body and everything else for going back to work like you used to work? And then you would sacrifice all the hours I spent with my sons and my daughter. Mm -hmm. There's no chance. There's right. zero chance. Now, if you found me, before I was injured and said, okay, you're, you know, take the injury out of the, you know, the equation and said, you're going to have all this time to be at home with your kids, or you're going to like, you know, work and have, you know, big construction jobs going on. I would have chose the construction jobs because that's the angle that I was on. Right. I was forced into this, but when I was forced into it, I, I saw the value in it right. as, as it goes. So, I mean, you've only got, I'm not a religious person. So I've only got this one life, right? I've only got this yeah. thing that I can go around once. You, what you're describing as far as your lifestyle goes, that sounds appealing to me. Like that sounds great. You, do you have a good relationship with your, your kids as far as oh, that goes? Oh gosh, yeah. We're yeah, yeah, thick as thieves. We're pack. Yeah, we're yeah, so that, close. That's great. Well, now we are and we aren't like, you know, there's time, we spend too much time together. So we work together and all of those Oh, stuff. that's a lot. There's yeah. times where they would like to kill me. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, this, I'm the boss, so this is how it goes. But, uh, and that's the other problem that you have too is, you know, I'm in charge. So, yeah, you know, it's just not going to work out. So, we do have our little <laughs> meltdowns here and there. Sure. But, um, I hope 
So like we talked about, uh, you know, family, for me being just, you know, not a choice, the people that, the family that I made, my children, they're so important to me that if there's ever a riff, I sit them down and say, hey, our relationship is more important than anything yes. that could go on. Uh, yeah. I mean, I tell them stuff like, listen, if somehow you screwed up and you killed somebody, you come talk to me. We will figure out, I'm not going to hide you or anything like that. Like, you right. know, bury the bodies. But- <laughs> I will figure out the best path that we can take to get you back on the right path to figure this right. thing. Um, Cause I'll always be there for him. There's just, you know, the, yeah. as far as I can. Um, so yeah, anyways, uh, you know, I revere off on stuff, which I like the podcast stuff for that. I do. And I do the podcast cause I like to have the conversations, but I want to know, like with the, with the writing and stuff like that, you said you do the, so the books that I saw that were online you have another job that you do too. You said you do, there's a teaching part of this or I did. I have taught, I haven't in a couple for a couple of years, I've just been freelancing, but I did. Um, I taught part-time and was freelancing too, which was um, teaching so consuming um, that, and it ends up being full-time and part-time pay truthfully. That's how teaching goes. Anyone who's ever taught, they know, cause you'll just end up doing more and more and more, or they'll ask you to do more and more and more. And um, so that wasn't exactly conducive with, and then plus at a couple years ago, when I talked about my mom had declined more, I wanted to be more available to help my sister with taking care of her in, in their home. And um, so freelancing helps do that. It helps, you know, you, the benefits you're creating your own schedule. And so I always think of work, not really in like a nine to five Monday through Friday. It's more like when in this seven day period, will I get these things done kind of thing. Um, but COVID has been really hard. I don't, I, it's, I don't know. I'm looking now for, well, my priority is like you were saying, being with around your kids is um, with freelancing. It's just so up and down. So in with COVID I've noticed like three major projects, um, with educational companies, like they've been stalled, haven't come to fruition. And I think it's because of COVID because you have, um, like I'll work for a company that maybe works with a bigger publisher, educational publisher. Well, maybe those people, everyone's working from home, they're doing childcare, deadlines aren't being met and it all just kind of ripples effect or people got sick, then you know they, things aren't getting um, produced where then they would hire the writers like myself in a freelance right. basis. So I, I'm, I'm casting my net. My goal is to, well, have something that I can do from home because I like, it's, I can also then keep writing easily, you know, cause sure. it's, it doesn't take much to write if you just have to be focused. So I could, so even if I'm doing data entry or something like that, you know, I could be jotting down ideas for the next scene I'm going to write when I'm on break, that kind of thing. Okay. So um, is, there, is there a time So, like, I had heard like high level mathematicians have a certain window in their life where they are better at that. Is there hmm. a creative, like, are there authors that write into their, like, cause writing is one of those jobs that it seems like you could do it to the end. Like they're just, I hope to. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. is there a, 
is there a creative lull or do you get more creative as you get more experience in life? Like, Mm. you know, I mean, I always try and uh, make sure that I don't become one of the things that, that my pet peeves on, on social media are these codgers that talk about kids today. And I'm like, Oh my God, you just became your grandparents. Like you're this person I went to school with. And now you just keep talking about Tide Pods and like just this dumb stuff that like kids aren't like that. And if your kids are like that, then that's your fault. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this person that's writing these things. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is the the people that keep saying that kids today need a beating. And I'm like, that's that's too. But so is there a time in an author's life where they are, they produce their best work and stuff like that? Or does that, does that, you know, I don't know how old Socrates was when he was writing stuff and like, you know, like how old can someone be? and still produce something that's worthwhile. Some people first publish in their 60s, you know? I mean, that's, um, Alice Monroe. I think, did that. She's a, a novelist. So I think that's what's so great about writing. It can happen at any time, you know, if people are, it takes practice. It's like you were saying in the gym or, you know, you gotta do your reps, you gotta do your, your exercise. You gotta, the way to get better at writing is to read a lot and to write a lot. And, um, so you got to do your reps kind of thing. But um, well, for, even for me, for this, I got a break from podcasting for probably like six months or so. We were just too busy with work and yeah. uh, I'm a real estate broker and, and a contractor. So like I work a ton, but I work a ton. So I have time to not work at some point during the year. Last night was my first podcast back. And I was like, Whoa, like this is a skill to have a conversation yeah. with people for me, it's not a skill to have conversation. Like I can go day drink with a couple buddies and we can talk mm-hmm. for three hours, no problem. But to have a conversation with somebody about something I don't know anything about and someone I it's don't that write that well, it, it, it's a skill. And I like, I re-listened to the one last night and I was like, oh, I'm so bad at this now. Like, and I mean, I had like 60 some odd episodes that I did before and I felt like at a point that I got better at it. Right. You know, so I'm going to cut my teeth on you again. You know, I'm trying to get, <laughs> trying to get, trying to get better at it again. But uh, so like, you know, there will be things that I'll forget to have asked because I find this stuff very interesting. And there's like so many people with like interesting careers and interesting things that they chose to do. And again, there's a certain amount of bravery in doing that. As a kid growing up, I loved to fish. I loved it. I mean, if it was summertime, my mom would bring me dinner at the local pond because that's where I was at fishing. Like I wasn't oh. fishing. And um, I remember my father, like I was probably like 13 or something. He's like, Billy, what are you going to do when you grow up? I go, I'm going to be a professional fisherman. And like, <laughs> that's not a thing. And I'm like, what do you mean? I go, there's two guys that we watch on TV that that's what they do. Yeah. And he goes, there's two guys and like millions and millions of people. That's not a job you can go get. I found out when I was like, you know, 28, that that was a totally a job. Like people totally do that for a living. They might not be on TV, but they're like guiding. There's right. no, I could have done that. And I was aggravated like with my father. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't care about the money. I just want to spend my time on the water and all that other stuff. Yeah. So people that like you who went out and got the career writing and stuff like that, the longevity of it is, I mean, that, that's a huge bonus. That's like, I mean, if you can do that's this, true. it makes you happy. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to make, you know, um, and I don't know, you know, how lucrative it is, but 
maybe you don't need to make, you know, two, $300,000 a year right now because you're going to string that out for the entire time as you, you know, is there a nice way to look at it, Bill? (laughs) Is there any, uh, is there, when you say like freelance work and stuff like that, so construction, there's a lot of like spots where we make cash money and stuff like that, where it's kind of like under the table. Is mm. there anything like that with free with writing? No, no, at least not in the in the circles I'm running. There, see, there's a lot of different types of um, freelance writing, and I've tried to break into different niches because it's and it might be I don't know construction and things like that. But with so like copywriting is a lot more lucrative than what I do because that's stuff that sells. You know, like things that could sell. And you could make more money, and well, it's just explain that then. What 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 is it? What is copywriting? So, for instance, like um, people who would be writing um, like a direct email to try to get people to buy things, or um, anything maybe on a website that's for sales. Um, I've done some, but it's you or or people who maybe write for pharmaceutical companies like describing the drugs and the pamphlets and the flyers and things like that so if you're working for companies who make a lot of money okay. so um and you're the copy you're the writer for all the materials because if you really start looking around it's text 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 everywhere really if you think about it, we can't get away from reading Absolutely. i always say that to my right. students is like look you know i'm not saying you you need to you need to at least be at the eighth grade level because everything is written basically there. So let's get, you know, do you feel everything around you can read? Do you feel that uh, because of social media and the way that like, um, you know, if somebody would have told us when we were 13, 15 years old, that you were no longer going to call people, you were just going to write things. Oh, I know. You would be like, that seems like backwards. Like, why would I write everything I want to say when I can just say the things I want to say? Right. And I, it's inconvenient because there's times when you can't do it, but I would prefer this sort of a interaction with friends. Like I would really Mm -hmm. prefer to, I I wish they would make this a better way where they could put the camera like right here so I could look at your eyes and Mm -hmm. talk to you while, but if I'm talking to you, I'm not looking at you, which is like another right. weird thing too. So, um, yeah, so that, that this is odd, but for to talk to people, um, have a conversation with them, it's so much better than texting to begin with, but there has to be a value to the fact that like kids now are texting each other at like eight, nine, 12 years old, they're texting. So they're constantly reading. That's got to build a reading skill as long as, what they're texting isn't like the president where everything's misspelt and you got to like wonder what exactly the fuck he's saying. Or just using letters for words and things like that. But Random I mean, capitals the, and you know, yeah, yeah. In the wrong spots where it's all weird. But that's a guy that I don't think is a very intelligent person to begin with. I think his parents probably paid him through college and, and everything else. And he's a guy who says someone like Barack Obama is not very smart. And like that guy was the head of the Harvard law review and like, right. um, right. And I'd like to get into that a little bit. Like you did the book, which I did preview a little bit of that online where I could look at a little bit of it. Um, but what I, was, what I was talking about was I would think that my sons, because of, and I don't feel like that's reading in the same sense that if I pick up a John Irving novel 
and mm-hmm. I read it. Um, I will read for 45 minutes at a time, you know, once every day or so I'll really read. Um, I feel like my brain is smarter and quicker when I go do other things because I'm reading, right. which seems strange because I'm just doing this exercise where I read words and then, but I guess my brain is also putting a picture together and then feeling how yeah. this person would feel and all these other things that it's doing that it, TV's lazy. It's just, you can just see the things and it's just there. So right. uh, I think it's good for my brain. I don't get that same like heightened intelligence feeling from reading social media posts. And in fact, I feel dumber sometimes. I'm like, right. why did right. I, there are definitely times where I'm like, cause it's a time suck. I read social media for 30 minutes the one time and I looked at the clock. <gasps> I'm like, Oh my God, 30 minutes. That was 30 minutes. I can't believe I, Oh, what am I doing? I got to get out of here. And then I, you know, put the thing down, but 45 minutes in a book and I feel good about it as far as that. that exactly. Goes. So yeah. um, I wonder what that, you know, how that goes as far as literacy levels go, because even if you're a kid who's not a good student now, if you want to be with the cool kids, you're texting. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's got to be some value to the fact that you're writing stuff. I mean, you spell check, do whatever you got to do. But so, you know, I don't know if there's, there's help there. And then, um, like I said, someone turned me on to novels and she was right. Like they are, it's awesome. It really is way better. It, the problem is the time because you can, you know, like I can read the world according to Garp. It's like 400 pages. That's going to take me, a few weeks to get through mm-hmm. where if I watch the movie, I can do it in an evening. You know what I mean? Right. There's and that's appeal for people. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. For sure. Um, and whoever cast those did a good job. Like I was okay with that. But uh, so, um, you know, that's a weird literacy thing as far as there, like you said, there's so much text. I can't believe what we read today. Like mm-hmm. it's a ton. I mean, if I Google something, I'm reading. If I, you know, I'm always reading something somewhere. Right. Uh, but to your Obama book, um, Barack Obama for me, I was extremely hopeful for his presidency. Mm-hmm. I was extremely excited about it. And I got to say that I was let down. Yeah. I was a little bit like, man, I really thought you were going to do, and I'm a Bernie Sanders guy. Like I, me too. He's this yeah. guy that was going to do things that were just to help people. And he didn't, he could not care less about a corporation. It was just, mm. how can I help people? And my thought was, that's a more patriotic guy than this me that we have that's hugging a flag and doing all this other, that's not patriotism. That's like nationalism. And that's actually dangerous. Right. It so is. You've got... So Obama, and I, I didn't read the book, when you wrote the book and you researched the book, mm-hmm. did anything change your feelings on the guy? And you, the book was obviously written in 2019. So mm-hmm. it was written after the entire presidency was over. And right. there were things like not shutting Guantanamo, all the drone strikes, the fact that he didn't really advance black people the way that I thought he would have. I think mm-hmm. he advance them in a way that you can't see like a persona way where black right. children could think they could be president sort of a thing. Um, 
How were your feelings about him after writing a book about a guy? Yeah. I think like there were, I still, I'm a big Obama fan in the sense of, I just love him as a person, like as I've read his books and um, as a writer and the things he's tried. Yeah, there, of course, I was really, really just so disappointed, like the drone thing. And I read that Biden's putting that drone lady back in one of his cabinet members. And I just, I, I hate those. I think it's disgusting. And I was so woefully disappointed in that. You know, he was battling too. The, you had this Congress, you know, the, the, the Republican, it was like stalemate so much. Yes, you know? and, and he had the problem that if he, he knew the minute he laxed up on that situation and then there was attack, an attack that came this way, he would pay because he was the guy that was in charge. So like when he didn't draw back the Patriot Act and the NSA powers and all that and the Snowden stuff and everything else, right. as a liberal, that bothered me to no end. I really felt like George Bush had betrayed our privacy in a way that we were going to get back when this guy, and he made speeches saying that's what he was going to do. That he was going to, you know, tamper down these, these things that they, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. I think he saw, and I can, I can empathize with his situation. He saw it where I know that we're collecting metadata and, and personal data on every single citizen but it's keeping us safe. And if I have an attack on my watch, I'm not going to get the same treatment that Bush got when it was on his watch. Because Bush had the intel telling him that they were going to hijack planes and do this, and it happened. And somehow he grabbed a shovel, stood on a pile of rubble and a bunch of dead people, and he was a hero. And I just never thought, I didn't understand it. So I, I empathize with Obama in that situation. But the end result still was not what I wanted. It still did not like it was, and I I guess I held it too too high of a standard. Um, I was definitely a guy who, like, had a I don't I don't want to say a tear in my eye, but I was choked up when he got inaugurated, and then mm-hmm. also like when he did the whole parade in Chicago and the whole yeah, it was it was it was an amazing part of history to see. I almost feel bad for my right wing friends because like. Oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah, but I mean, so phenomenal. In history, they don't have that anywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. we're going to have when Biden, and I'm not a Biden fan either, Biden was a punchline and now he's president. Like, like, Joe's great and everything else. He has a great story. We lost his family. Like, it's all very nice. I think he's a very nice old man, but there were better candidates that were in the prize. Oh, absolutely. I, I, my, with you, I was a Bernie. I've loved him for so long. He's right. wonderful. I, but, um, I did all I, that. I'm so glad Biden's, you know, and because that. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Me too. Me too. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't want anyone to. I. My problem is I'm not a Democrat. I am an independent, but I'm an independent. Like Sanders, an independent. He's a Democrat for because he had to be to try and be the nominee to be the right. president. Try and change things, but. It's just, it's a very difficult thing to keep watching because to me, Biden felt like Hillary 2.0. And I'm like, yeah. you're making a mistake here because 
you don't understand the American public does not want this establishment thing. And you literally picked a more establishment person than Hillary was. You put yes. someone that has been in government longer than she has. Yeah. You put them out there. Now I'm super excited about uh, Kamala Harris being the first, mm. you know, woman of color, mm. vice president. Um, it's almost an embarrassment that it's taken this long for this I to know. happen. Um, I think that guys ought to get smarter and like um, start figuring out that we should put women in charge because mm-hmm. listen, I would love to be Mr. Mom. If I would have married a, an attorney or someone who could make enough money, I would have stayed home. Sweetie, <laughs> you go do you and I am going to do this right here. It's going to be fine. Um, if we would just let women run the government, I think that, that we would be in better shape than, than we are. Um, I think that I had people come to me uh, 10 years ago, three, three women came to me and said, we think that you should run for office. Oh. And I was like, I should not do that. And, <laughs> and I go, well, first, I don't want that responsibility. Second, yeah. it doesn't seem like anything that's appealing to me. Third, I'm not sure how I will. I know the minute that you got into office, they come for you. They are. Yeah, they I are would never want that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't trust myself in that situation. I think I would try to do my best, but when there was a certain amount of money and a certain good, maybe I could do with that money. So I. Then my point is, and I, I hate to ramble on, because I understand that I empathize with Obama's positions and the fact that he ended up where he was at, and that you know he made a lot of money and and like, you know, like things that I really wasn't wanting him to do but i think he did a great job considering all the factors he had to deal mm-hmm. with so i'm sorry I, I keep interrupting you but uh so yeah how did anything change as far as you did research you had to find yeah. out things that you didn't know yeah i um i guess i wasn't i and i had read his first book but i learned a little more about you know the um what he did in Chicago. I probably went in too deep with what I read about him truthfully for what I had to write. Cause it's, um, it's a, you know, it's a kid's book and it's, um, so two things it's, so this was again, so that was actually a freelance contract that I got, um, with a publisher. So for instance, um, like my, my novel that's out, you know, you, um, get, can get royalty. So down the line, I mean, it's, I'm, it's, it's not breaking the bank here. You know, you, people who make a lot of money, you have to sell a lot, a lot of yes. books, right? So it's, um, I'm, I'm not poo-pooing my, I'm very happy the, the, for the publication, but so, but that's the royalty thing. Well, with freelancing, sometimes you will get hired as work for hire, it's called. So you're basically kind of like a writer for hire. So you get played, paid a flat fee for the books. That, and they, so they contracted that they wanted um, three biographies, Barack Obama, Marley Diaz, and Amandlo Stenberg. And so they pay me the fat, flat fee. So if you were to buy those books or I had some teacher friends who got their schools to buy them, I think that's wonderful. You know, I'm so happy they did that, but I don't get royalties. They just paid me flat out. So a lot of times they'll come and say, here's what we want you to write. Um, These are kind of the things we 
the timeline, maybe in a per, these biographies, you, we want you to cover, but you, so I did come up with an outline and then they came back and said, okay, go in depth a little more here and that kind of thing. And then I wrote it. So it's um, not fully my creation, I guess. It's because I'm working with um, a publisher who wants a specific thing. And the other thing about um, the Obama book and then the other two in that set is they're called what's, what's called high-low work. So it's basically targeted for students who are reading below grade level. So, but, so if they're in middle school, but they're reading at a lower level, so you, the high part of that description is higher interest level. So a kid who's a little older, so you want to write it to make it interesting for a middle school kid, Got but it. readability, it needs to be at a, low, a certain grade level because they're reading maybe at second or third grade level. So that took, that takes, so a lot of that work was, um, I mean, there was a fair amount, a lot of research, but there was also more grappling with the how do I make this interesting and engaging and yet add a readability that um, or so students who English is a second language that could be another helpful book for them too. Okay, so. so now in that situation you're writing these books and then that seems pretty cool that there's a design where you're trying to bring someone's reading level up by interesting them in a subject that they'd be interested in there's this like um, narrative out there that uh, schools are indoctrinating, you know, kids. I do yeah. not know who the other two people are in the other two books, but I would venture to guess just by their complexion that they are a liberal, more of a liberal leaning situation mm -hmm. stuff like that. Obviously Obama is polarizingly, you know, left. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also, I call bullshit on the indoctrination thing because I can't see there being, um, first I had a funny question, like if someone came to you and said, hey, Jenny, can you write us a book on Dick Cheney? Like, how would you write that book, right? And then the yeah. opposite, the flip side would be if you find found a conservative author and said, would you write a book for children on Obama? why would you want that book written? Because he's just going to write terrible things in it. Right. Like that probably aren't even factual or, you know, whatever. Um, but the, I don't know how the indoctrination thing, how someone could, even if you were a conservative writer, take someone like Dick Cheney and write a book that any kid would have any interest in. Like, and then we went right. to Halliburton and we got these missiles <laughs> made like, what the fuck? Right. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily a left-leaning indoctrination, but the stories that are there that help society and help people right. are left-leaning. That's kind of what an empath does is helps mm -hmm. people where conservative people tend to only think inwardly and help themselves. Now, mm -hmm. if we had school that indoctrinated you that way, holy shit, would we be screwed. Like if every kid came out of school and was like, I got to kick somebody in the kneecaps and get their lunchbox, this would not be good, right? This would be a bad scenario. So, you know, like, I don't know, like, and that's, you know, the other thing with people that are on the right, they, they keep claiming that social media censors them more than people on the left. And I look mm -hmm. at them and I go, I don't know, maybe you're more of an asshole than people on the left. 
careful what you're writing. <laughs> right. Like, and I think that's really what happens. I think your tendency to use the N word is probably at a 20 times more greater, you know, right. than, I mean, than mine would be, you know, that would yeah. not, I have, I have had people that I enjoy their company and I've said stuff to them because I'm not, I don't, if you, if you are offended by me calling you on your bullshit and you don't want to talk to me anymore, then we ain't friends anyway. So do right. it. Was I had a buddy of mine who wrote a joke on Facebook and he used the N word in the joke. And it was not like somehow Mark Twain in any way. It was like straight up. This yeah. guy is this. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you wow. do that? And I go, you're my friend. Why would you do that for yourself? You're going to close doors. Cause I go, I, I'm disgusted with you, man. That's a terrible thing to do. Right. And he's like, oh, come on, man. Like, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I go, you don't see, mm -hmm. we get it. I'm a white guy. That's an embarrassing part of our history. And you're mm -hmm. acting like it's perfectly fine. Right. It's not. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when someone gets censored because they did that, well, that's because only a conservative, I don't know. I know no liberals that have those, do you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not a coincidence that when you're a Trump supporter and you're at a rally, you can look next to you and there's a guy with a Confederate flag and you look left and there's a guy with a freaking, you know, Nazi flag. Hey, maybe you're on the wrong side. Who are you running? Like what crowd are you running in? You know, right. um, Tyson's on my side and Ted Nugent's on yours. You're on the wrong side. Right. You got to get out of there. <laughs> my friend, Ann always used to say like, pay attention to the commercials. Like we're really growing up with TV and the commercials. And like, if you're watching Jerry Springer, you know what, it's going to be a toilet bowl commercial, but if you're watching something intelligent, it's going to be something, you know, so just really have some discernment of what you're doing and who you're listening to. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they don't, I mean, and the, the problem is, is not enough people are reading. I mean, that, I think that's the problem. Like you need, if you read and fiction for sure, because if you read fiction, there's going to be, well, unless you're like, you know, what's the, uh, there was a, there was a conservative writer that was really popular, like in the eighties and nineties, like Harrison Ford was in a bunch of his movies and stuff like that. Uh, Cl uh, Tom Clancy or it like, Oh that, yeah. Um, and that's a conservative writer mm -hmm. as far as that goes. Like it's all about military and bullshit. That's not really patriotism. Uh, but if you read fiction, for the most part, you're going to get a lot of people that are empathizing with how somebody else feels about something. Right. And maybe you're going to walk away being more of an empath than you were if you just watch Fox News all day long. Because yeah. I watch Fox News every once in a while just to see what these people are going to say. <laughs> and it's amazing. The crazy that's there. And you know those people are leaving in droves because they hate Fox News now, and they're going to this uh, OAN network that's like uh, it's called One America Network, and it is ah uh, yes right. You want to talk about brain melting? These people are saying things that make no sense. There's no validity to it. Like so, when you were in college and stuff, did you take some journalism type? Like me personally, um, yes. no, I took, um, well, as an undergrad, I majored in English and anthropology actually. Okay. And I, um, 
for a little while, I wasn't sure when I went to graduate school what I would, if I would go anthropology or a different route. But I ended up um, then getting my master's and focusing on English. But the, I went here in Milwaukee. They had, um, you could, I could do an emphasis on creative writing, which I did. So I did that in graduate school, but I have a master's in English. So I didn't actually take, I considered journalism, but I thought when I was in my undergrad that I would, I, I really wanted to teach at the college level. That changed though. Once I got um, the teaching job here in Milwaukee at the school I talked about. So. Okay. All right. Um, well, it just seems to me that like we get all these people that seem to miss the, they post things like I miss the days where a journalist didn't have a side and everything like that. And I don't know. I mean, I know like from history, we were polarized pretty good during like Ronald Reagan's time during Barry Goldwater, which was right before Reagan and stuff like mm -hmm. that. We definitely had a far left and a far right. Um, I guess I, I get so frustrated and let down with the people in this country when they don't have any grasp of history at all. They mm. say things like, uh, you know, um, Republicans can't be racist because Lincoln was a Republican. Mm. No, Lincoln was a progressive. So yeah. the parties were different then. And then like, they were very the, different then. Right. The, the look of melting paint on their face when I start to explain this to them is like, they don't understand but Republican part and like, no, 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 but the, the, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. if, if you were a person being a, a Republican, you know, a hundred years ago, you'd be a Democrat. Like, well, mm -hmm. they're like, I'd never be a Democrat. I'm like, it's like, I'm talking to a three-year-old. Like I, this doesn't make any sense in the world. It's like saying I'd never be a toad. Yeah. I understand that, but you don't understand that these, the Southern Dixie, those were, those were your slave owners. The, when we had the Civil War, the the people that were fighting against slavery, and but then then they'll say weird things like, "Well, the Civil War wasn't about slavery; it was about states' rights." And I'm like, "No, no, that's the thing that somebody told you now. Like, it was totally about slavery. This is exactly what the Civil War was about, and this is why it would draw it went on forever because they didn't want to quit because they were going to lose a way of life. Yeah, when they lost slavery." Mm -hmm. so that's like, a big reason for the succession yeah how do i i, I just want to like at some point i just want to be like forget it i just want to start picking up fiction novels and just read them <laughs> and not even deal with reality anymore because you're never going to get these people to like understand like my only angle is like i said get them to read empathetic fiction so they could start to empathize with people it, you know what i mean? think like, that I think that's a big reason I write too, because, well, I really struggle with the whole divisiveness because I had a conversation with my sister about, you know, everything is so divided now. We have family members who, you know, she especially, you know, um, cause she's married, you know, extended families bigger than, than mine and um, who are just completely on the other side of the political spectrum. So she's like, I just don't know, you know, how do I handle that? I'm like, well, you can't go through your life. You can't, especially like in-law or in-laws. I'm like, you, you have to find, there are some common things. I'm like, I'm always trying to find common things no matter what, because when we look at 
these just completely different views and they're so dividing and and almost like there is nothing more to say if like they're they're, they're not going to listen and then they, we they think we're them does that make sense like if you ever really there goes my youngest <laughs> um if you, um that they if you really have a conversation with someone who is a, on the other side of the political spectrum like we're doing what they do but the, i think the layer that is different that i always try to make with um people who supported Trump, I'm sorry, is you have someone who breeds hate. He has, he has um, turned up the ugly underbelly of this country and well, said it's made okay. It, he's made it. I say what he is, is he's the, he's the asshole president. He's every asshole's wet dream of a president because he's saying the things that they've been saying behind closed doors and that turn. He's right. just saying it and they're, they're cheering him on and it is, it's gross. It's just, it is. It's, 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 it's I, I um, disgusting. Better mm -hmm. work than right. Right. Then, well, that is a better word, but uh, so yeah, it's really, really odd. What I, I have friends, the wrestling world is there's a lot of conservatives that are in that world. Right. Yeah. So what I try and do with that is I'm like, listen, can we micromanage the conversation? I don't want to have a conversation about personalities. I don't want to talk about that because I could talk all day about Donald Trump is a disgusting human being. Like he's a bad person. Right. Human goes. Every wife he's had, he's cheated on. Everyone that's ever golfed with him says he cheats at that. Like he has cheated so contractors out of money. He's, he's just a bad person. He's also not good at anything that he says he's good at. He's not good at anything. Okay, let me he's not good at anything that he says he's good at he's a bad person but let's just talk about if if i can sit down over beers or whatever and talk about actual issues most of the right. people that i'm going to sit down and have a talk with about issues are going to be middle class working people it blows my mind that there are people that are union iron workers or union plumbers and they are how sweet uh yes uh they are super trump supporters and it doesn't sometimes i can look at the person and be like all right well you're kind of an insecure guy you, you know, <laughs> yeah, start analyzing that's yeah, right like you, you know you, you're buying into this macho thing and you don't understand what tough guys are that's not one of them so like i get it i understand that but like, if we talk about issues, if I say to you, listen, you know, let's talk economically about the, like you can't, the hot button issues you can't talk about. You can't say like, you need to have a living wage because then they're like, oh, Burger, Burger McFlippyton needs to make $15 an hour. Now it's going to cost me $13 for my happy meal. It's not. You need to understand that McDonald's does not do the same thing that you do at your job to sell a job. They don't do time and material. They do right. analysis. So right. they say for this thing that's not really food and this syrupy drink, how much can I charge for it and still sell so many units? Yeah. Where does the arc turn 
before I stop selling units and the profit falls off. Because I'm telling you, you're eating about 40 cents worth of food and they're selling it to you for $7. So there's no chance that it's costing $7 to make that. No. And if they raise the person's wages, it still wouldn't affect the cost of your Happy Meal. So kind of that theory. But then that person wouldn't have to get a second job to just live. Right, right, right. So, but if you can have those conversations and like explain things and then also go into things like, all right, listen, healthcare shouldn't be for profit and this is why. And then start showing them the CEO compensation for health insurance companies. I go, there's a guy that's making $89 million every year. Now, people are bad at math. So you have to be like, all right, let's break down what $89 million is. We're all right around 50 years old. At this point in our work careers, Friday seems to happen all the time. Like, holy shit, it's Friday again, right? Mm -hmm. A week is a very short period of time. Yeah, You get paid weekly and you're a guy that makes $1,000 a week. It's like, hey, it's Friday, there's $1,000. If you're a guy that makes $52 million a year, it's Friday, there's a million dollars. I go, you need to understand the difference between a thousand and a million. And it's amazing to me that how many people don't understand what the difference between a thousand and a million is. They think it's kind of close. It's not. It's a thousand of the thousands. So like, it's very far apart. And I mean, when you look at someone and say, Jeff Bezos makes what his average worker makes in the first 58 seconds of the year. They're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, 58 seconds and he makes what mm-hmm. they make. And then every 58 seconds after that, he makes what they make. So like when there's certain things you can say to a conservative, like, Hey, how come it's okay for you to pay 27% in taxes but Jeff Bezos pays $0 on $11 billion in tax. <laughs> and they're not okay with that. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it further yeah. for you and explain to you why Jeff Bezos, I think it's a situation where you're a painter and you make $45,000 a year. I think your tax rate should be somewhere around 18 or 17%. And Jeff Bezos' tax rate for the most part of his money should be somewhere around 78 or 82% because, and these like, they're like, oh my God, you want to charge him 82%. I'm like, calm down. Right. First, the problem is, is that you have to explain everything to everyone. Right. First, ta- I owned a business, businesses for years. Taxes don't work like that. So for the first, excuse me, $150,000, he gets to keep most of that because he's yeah the same rate you are at that 18 or 17%. Right. Then after that, the money he makes after that jumps up to this amount, up to 500,000. Then after that, it jumps up to this after, after to a million, then it jumps up again. So all the while he's pocketing money at the same rate other people are, but at mm. the same rate, the other people are making that money. He's keeping that money. But by the time he gets to 10 billion, I'm perfectly fine with them tar- charging him 90% in taxes because and they're like, that's insane. He's got to pay all these taxes. Like, listen, you learn how to read and write in public school. He hires 100,000 people. All of them can do their job and make money for him because they learn how to read and write in public school too. So he should pay for the school because he's profiting from the school. You drive around your car, you hit a pothole, get a flat tire, there should have been more tax money to fix that pothole. Now you're a guy on the side of the road with a flat tire. 
Jeff Bezos has thousands and thousands of trucks mm -hmm. on the road. He should pay at a higher rate because he's destroying the yeah. road. Yeah. And then they start to go, well, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> he finally went up. Right, right. So like, you know, like some right. of those things. And then I get, you know, the, the bad thing is, is that as a liberal, me and you have to explain who we are all the time to these people because they immediately enter the conversation with, you're the person that judge whoever's on Fox News told me you are. You're this whiny, cryy, you know, soft, snowflakey liberal. Mm -hmm. the, the, the hurdle like don't have to get over with the people that know me for a long time is when you look at me, I kind of look like a meathead. When you know me and you know who I was, I'm not a guy that was soft or sensitive or any of that. And if you offended me, chances are I was going to punch you in the face. So <laughs> they knew me as that guy. I get more people that are surprised when they find out I voted for Your my views. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like, oh, how could that be? You can't be that guy. And I'm like, because I thought about it for a little longer than the 30 <laughs> headline. And I don't want to treat them like they're stupid, but we've, we live in a society that has created lazy thinkers. I agree. Right? Mm -hmm. So they read the headline and then they and talk really to read the whole article and really search for a, a, like a, like a corroborating source, you know, that's the kind of thing. And, and I've tr really tried to train myself to, you know, you, like, again, back to social media, if I'm scrolling through, and I see a headline that is something that aligns with how I view something. I've gotten to where it's like, no, Jenny, don't hit like unless you read it. Do you know what I mean? Just look and actually read it instead of falling into the trap of, I'm just going to click it because I like what that says. That agrees with my ideology and my way of thinking and, and my politics or whatever it is. So sometimes I'll just, well, I don't want to read that right now. So I'll scroll through and, and go on to something else. But I've really sure. tried to force myself to say, no, I'm going to actually read the whole thing before I hit like, do I really like it? You know, and where's it coming from? And that kind of thing. So I'm going to try and impress you because, you know, it's, I, I make a point on social media because I'm trying to use it as a mental exercise as I try and use everything is that the things that I write and put on for the most part, every once in a while I'll see something that I'll share it. I am not a sharer of memes. None of that yeah. stuff happens with me. I actually like think of the things that I write and write those things. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I watch the debate and I mean, and I'm mostly looking for a laugh because anymore there's just no, it's, it's just oh, I know. masturbation to be like trying to convince somebody of something that they're never going to be convinced of. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, most of my posts that have anything to do with anything, they're a joke. And I try to write it as original material. Like I try and make sure that I'm writing, you know, like I wrote, and then what's funny is I'll, I know it's just parallel thinking. I know they didn't steal it from me. But like I wrote uh, when Mike Pence had the fly in his head that that was Mike Pence's only black friend. And I saw that, like, I go, that's literally Mike Pence's only black friend. I saw that a bunch of places after that, like on Twitter and stuff like that. I know it didn't come from me, right. but it came from my mind. Like I'm You're, like, you thought it. <laughs> this man has no other black friends than this fly. Uh, and uh, so like, for me, that makes me happy to write something that I can't on, on my own. Right. And uh, you know, if there's a joke that I can think of and, and stuff like that. And my, the problem that I run into is the butt of most of my mental humor is 
Republicans and conservatives. Yeah. I am lost. The Donald Trump thing kind of set me on a weird edge where like, yeah, I, I thought that I was always arguing with people that were just ideologically wrong, but it turns out most of them are, I don't want to say this. I really enjoy my, my friends who are Trump supporters. And I don't believe they're as bad as the you know news stories or, or, or the crowds that go to the rallies are. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that they're decent people that would help you if they knew you. But I think that they've been told that they're supposed to be afraid of the other people and stuff like that. Mm. But I was disheartened when I found out that most of these people didn't have an ideology. Donald Trump's not a conservative. He's spent more money than any liberal that I've ever... Mm. It's insane the amount of money this guy's spent. And they stick by him. They have right. they have seemingly forgot about the deficit. They forgot about the national yeah, debt. Right. All that's gone now. I'm sure it's going to be a brand new thing when Biden becomes president. Mm-hmm. We have to worry about that again. But they didn't have an ideology, which made me sad. They just followed this asshole. They followed right. this guy that was an asshole. And Donald Trump did something today. Every once in a while he says something that I do laugh at. He made fun of himself today. And I don't, I don't know. I'm on the fence whether or not he knew he was doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so how do you fall on it? Do you think he is an evil mastermind or a buffoon? Or what? A buffoon. I think he's a buffoon. But I also think he's a dangerous buffoon. Because I think he, I do think he is a very bad person i i really do and i think i don't trust him he has elements of of evil mastermind like when my sister says she's like jenny i'm so scared of a coup because you won't concede and 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 i think there's some mental health things happening or personality disorders all put into one person and um and then just a complete utter child you know, his, his behavior is equivalent. You know, you've raised children, the toddler years and, and yep. Yep. someone who's in his seventies. Those fits. I follow him on Twitter and it, Dude, it, just to examine it. Mm-hmm. It's bonkers. It's yeah. absolutely, yeah. It, was, it was bonkers before the election. And then yeah. after that, he is literally just repeating the same tweet over. I won, I won all caps, all X, like, right. Like you, nothing you're saying. He keeps repeating things, and he he'll he'll tell people in interviews that he believes that if you put it out there, you can make it true. Right. You can't make something that's just patently false true. Like you can't right. change something that already happened. It, he and he also says things like, and it hurts my brain to think that we're a nation of this many dum dums. He says things today like. Um, his, his, his little speech today was the stock market reached 30,000 today. It's a magical number. It's a number someone, no one thought we'd ever reach. It's a, it's the highest number ever. That is literally like saying the population reached 330 million. No one ever thought it would get there. there. There's, there's more people than ever. Yes. That's how it goes. We keep getting more people. The stock market keeps going up. Every president had this thing where he got the highest number because over four year period, 
it grows over every single time. Right. There's not a president that I know of that came into office and, and left office. And at some point, the stock market wasn't the highest it ever was. Yeah, yeah it's ever. But it's a growing thing. It's like a plant. It's like saying, that tree is the, I, it's because I'm here. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with you. You just were there. Yeah. So, but he says it. And then what hurts my brain is, and my heart is that morons repeat it. Right. They say it. And I'm like, do you, you understand what you're saying? It doesn't make any sense what you're saying. But right. today he relayed, he did the pardoning of the Turkey thing. Right. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you saw the little speech, but if you, if you get a chance to look it up, okay. He's literally making fun of himself. And I don't know if he knows he's doing it. Oh. He says that we had a vote and uh, we're going to pardon. We weren't going to pardon the uh, turkeys and carrots wanted a recount. So he did a recount. Too bad for carrots. It didn't work out. If carrots isn't Donald, I don't know what yeah. carrots is, right? Yeah. And he goes, so we're still going to pardon or, you know, the, the turkey and stuff. Yeah. Like that. And the crowd is laughing when he's like, you know, sorry, carrots. It didn't work out. It still ended up being the same. And I'm like, dude, you're carrots. You, right. You. Right. So like, and I like, so I'm on the fence. I don't, I don't think he's intelligent, but I do think he knows, uh, I think he knows what he's doing to a certain extent. And I think he just doesn't care. Like right. with, with the phone call to the Ukrainian, uh, yeah. I think he absolutely knew what he was asking for. I yes, think he knew too. how to ask for it in a gangster sort of way. Right. Thought he was kind of getting around the whole pro yeah. quo situation. Yeah. So I think he had the forethought. I think it was premeditated. I, I mean, he, he told George Stephanopoulos that if a foreign leader had dirt on his opponent, he would absolutely take it. He would absolutely. Right. He said this in an interview where he didn't have to say it. I think he is, I don't think he's as stupid as people say he is. Mm -hmm. I also don't think he's got a grand plan except for for himself. I think he. Yeah. Yeah. The coup thing, I think he, I don't think he's a tough guy. So I think if he actually had to roll his sleeves up and actually do some fighting. Right, do something. He, he would not want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think he wants to open up a news network. I think he wants his followers. It's, it is a little bit scary that he has 70 million. Oh, that terrifies me. I just, it makes me sad, really. It, it yeah. does. It's, it is something that's weird. And I mean, the to watch these people post things like we haven't played uh, Patriots and Antifa yet or something like that. And in their mind, anyone who's a liberal is somehow supporting Antifa. Antifa is like 40 people in someone's basement in Oregon. Like right. that's not even a thing to be worried about. I have friends that are more worried about Antifa and Black Lives Matter than they are coronavirus. And coronavirus has killed 260 million people. I mean, I don't think Antifa and Black Lives Matter have killed hardly anybody. So I don't know what you're worried about as far as this thing goes. Wow. It is definitely, it, it's almost like if you, if you get these people not in a group, they're easier to like talk to and deal with and stuff like that. But as soon as they see a group, it's a powder keg that seems to... Yeah. And I mean, you had the whole you know, up in Wisconsin with the, like the Kenosha kid and everything else. Oh. Have you looked into any of that? Like well, I research on it and stuff. So I don't know. I haven't done extensive research, but I mean, 
I read a few articles when it was happening. There was so much happening at that time. I, I was just so appalled by it, like that. And, and then the bombardment of everything else that was happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a perfect example of different rules for some than the others, you know, looking at the color of your skin. I mean, it was just, it's, it's right there. And then that people could even defend that. I don't understand that behavior, you know? Right. Right. So now personally, I've had people that were like that I engage with on the opposite side, they're right wing, they're Trump supporters, females that would message me after. And I try and keep it civil and everything else Mm -hmm. that, you know, would it be interested in dating? And I'm like, I can't even, I don't even know how, how would we do that? Like I am, they want to date you even in yes, their yes, yes, yeah. They, they, they would be fine with, they're like, you know, you seem open-minded and this kind of a thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I, I, how could like, I, that's, that's always been curious to me too. Like, cause that's come up a little bit for me and <clears throat> that dating world. Up, that's where I was going. I was going to you because I think it comes up more for females than it does for males because the amount of male population that would be a Trump so 70% of white males voted for Donald Trump so you're I don't know you know what like you know if there was a, a I would date a black woman an oriental woman a, a you know Chinese Korean what a Mexican whatever it is under the same criteria that I would date a white woman um I mean I have my certain like things that, that I find attractive and stuff but my criteria has much more to do with who you are than what you are, what you look like or anything like that. So it's really very much, you know, I won't say that I'm not somewhat shallow or, you know, like attractive women, but I don't have a thing where I would, you know, only date in a certain pool, but I want a certain personality and it would have to absolutely be somebody that was empathetic to other people. I couldn't imagine. Like it's, yeah, I, I've had that question like, oh, you know, oh, but if that person, there's no way I could, because the thing, the problem is, like someone who would support Trump, there's going to be something very core values that are so completely antithetical to the person I am that I couldn't, I couldn't connect with that person. But you've got two categories, right? You've got, there's Trump supporters I know that, you know, they've got the thing around them in their, mm-hmm. in their profile picture, Trump 2020. Some of it's still on there now. And I'm like, it's over, dude. Didn't Tim, take it down, right? I take it down anytime soon. Um, I have certain neighbors um, out here, like south of the city that had Trump flags up. And then after the election, they took them down. Other neighbors still flying them. They're still, you know, hoping mm-hmm. the Supreme Court's going to change it for them. I don't know. But so there's a difference between the casual um, voter I think there's a lot of people that watched The Apprentice and they thought he was the character. I agree. There's, there's a, well, I know people who, you know, if they're just going to vote for one um, issue, so they're just, no matter what, they're always going to vote for someone who's pro-life. Yes. And so that's no matter what, I mean, there's a a, a good portion of people um, that I think that that's why they would support him. And, um, but even still, 
if that's the, I just, if I had even someone who was like, like, I think that he is such a, a candidate, such a person um, in that position. Like I could have maybe said that, like, I can't believe the way that I thought George W. Bush was so horrible. You know, like he's just looking so much better right now. Oh you know, and that's a great, know, Trump is the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened to George W. Bush. Right. He's yeah. like, that guy's a war criminal and he's like, okay. Right. He's, he's like, looking pretty good now. That's right, right. He's like painting dogs and cats and his feet and like all kinds of other shit now. Just, and everyone's okay with this guy that killed hundreds of thousands of people because look at this other idiot. Like, holy cow. Yes. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's just, it's so ridiculous that way. But, um, so if, even if it was like your, I don't think you can have, if people are like the, the milder Trump supporter, if we were to put it on like a continuum, I would still say you are so tunnel vision, you can't see what a, how really what this, this um, person has done to the, the country really. And the hate that has risen up from his speech, you know, yeah. when people say, just listen to the man talk, just listen to the man talk. And um, that I could never, commune with uh, someone and to date them I, mean, I just do you think that there's i'm not i've never tried to analyze it this way i do listen to him talk and i follow him on twitter and i read his tweets and when he gives a speech i look at it do you think that the trump supporter that's out there doesn't ever even listen to a joe biden speech or do they listen to right. it and like you're liar liar like bullshit liar you're, you're saying yeah you're like you're just giving me ears, lip service or whatever like that because there is a monstrous difference between what that guy's saying and right. what that guy's saying. And I am not, I, during the entire election, I never posted a pro-Biden anything because right. I was like, guys, I, I'm, I told my Democratic friends, if they lose, you just lost me. I'm done. I'm not, I am not holding my nose and voting for another Democrat again, yeah. you're just going to lose elections now. That's it. So we did this again and here we are. And yeah. our, this was the first time I always thought it was hyperbole, hyperbolic to say our democracy is in the, it was this time. A second term of that guy would have been devastating. So, and then, the other thing that the news is really trying hard right now to push is this false narrative that Joe Biden was the only one that could have got this done. Yeah. That is complete malarkey. It's, it's to use a, you know, his own term. Yeah. Complete crap. Um, the progressives, the AOCs, the, 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 uh, the, the woman up in uh, Minnesota, they yeah. won by landslides. Yeah. Those were progressive candidates with progressive ideas that people that lost were the wishy-washy, I'm yeah. going to try and be in the, no one's inspired by that shit. Right. If you are a person who, and I had to, I had to explain this to my Democratic friends. If you were a person that the sole reason you were energized was because Donald Trump is such a horrible human being, that means you were going to vote for anybody that wasn't named Donald Trump. Right. There's a whole nother group of people who are voting on issues. They're voting because they're more empathetic than you are and they see people hurting and they want change. They want something different. 
And they are, they are the people that you're mad at when Hillary lost blaming third party voters and stuff like that. Right. Listen, yeah. They, you had a candidate that was filling stadiums and everything else. And you had a candidate that couldn't fill a gymnasium and you ran with that candidate. I voted mm -hmm. for, her, but I was real nervous. I mean, I had people that were right. on both sides and I had people on the Republican side that were like, do you think that Trump can win? And I'm like, absolutely. They're like, you're nuts. You're nuts to think that this guy could win. Hillary's going to be the next president. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, no one likes her. She's universally hated on the right. Like it, it is crazy yeah. the amount of hate they have on that side. I go, she could lose. She could totally lose. And then she did. Yeah. I go, this can happen again with Biden. I'm upset that they lost seats in the House and they didn't yeah, overtake the Senate. Like you pretty much have a situation you were just talking about with Obama. Biden's going to come in office and he's not going to be able to get anything done I except know. for undoing all these executive orders that exactly. So, which is going to be a good thing. It's something. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to go into a bear's den and shoot the hibernating bears. Let's <laughs> not do that. I'm a hunter and that's not right. That's just not, no, you do no. it. That's not right. So, you know, that, that stuff drives me nuts. I'm glad that's going to be that way. I'm 100% glad that, that Biden's going to be president. I don't think people danced in the street because Joe Biden's going to be president. I mm. think they danced in the street because Donald Trump's no longer going to be president. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, you know, I hope that the Democratic Party can see this and start to move that way because mm. they're going to lose people like me. Yeah. I'm going to be yeah. the guy that Democrats hate. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I want... In my lifetime, I want to see, there's a, I don't know how you are with it, but like I've heard people tell me that Democrats and liberals want equal outcome. And I go, I have never heard a Democrat say that or, or a liberal. They want equal opportunity. Yeah. What you do with it is what you do with it. That, that's your right. thing. Yeah. You know, so, but so dating wise, if there was someone who was just like, well, I watched The Apprentice. He seems like a good businessman. Mm -hmm. I don't really watch the news. I'm a guy that's, you know, working a job, doing whatever. Could you conceive of dating that person who had like, like essentially they're wrong about everything, right? Like right. they are. They're wrong about economics. They're wrong socially. You're wrong. Right. Could you date someone like that? Because I mean, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the extreme. I had the people that were like, you know, Trumpity, wow. Trumpity, Trumpity, Trumpity. And they're like, it was interesting. Hey, you want to go out for drink? <laughs> I went out with a couple of them that I didn't know that that's where they were at. Yeah. I was on a date with a woman and she started explaining that she lived as a homosexual. And she's like, that's not real. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, homosexuals, that's just a thing that they're doing. They're, there's not really any homosexuals. I was like, oh, we just started lunch. This is going to be a really long time. I'm going to have to do this now. And we went through this thing. And she said, everybody that's homosexual was molested as a child. And that's why they're that. They're just confused. I'm like, oh, whoa. Man. And they need to take Jesus Christ and all this other stuff. Oh, no. Like, I thought I was being punked. I'm looking for a camera. Like, like you, someone's going to bring out a camera. Yeah, what's going on here? How did I get here? So, <laughs> and I, I did the whole lunch with her. Um, I was, I, I go, let's agree to disagree that that's the case. And 
try to explain to her, I go, listen, um, I'm, I'm, I think there's a spectrum that people could be on. I think you could be, you know, a little bit towards the homosexual, however you want. I'm very, and I don't say this because it's a machismo thing or anything like that. I am not attracted. I know what a good looking man looks like and I'm not attracted to it. It's not mm -hmm. attracted to me. Um, I like women for other reasons than just, you know, breasts and ass. Like mm -hmm. I like them for their mannerisms. I like them for, um, when I got injured, I was like, thank God I'm a guy. I go, it's a terrible thing to say, but guys are shallow. Mm -hmm. If anyone called me a sexist, it would be the other way around. Like I would think that women are better than men. I would rather spend my time. I have these dinners here with a, a dozen or like eight people. And it's like one guy is there because he's a husband and it's all just ladies. And we just have political yeah. talks, we drink wine, we talk about that kind of stuff. I just like to surround myself with women. It's not a sex thing. It's like, I like to have those conversations with them and stuff like that. And I absolutely like the way they're shaped. I like the, you know, the, the manner is, I like everything about women. And my explanation to her was, look at, someone grabbed one of my children, put a gun to their head and said, be a homosexual. I couldn't do that. But they said, do a homosexual act to save my child. I can do that. That I can right. do. I can be For gay. Right. Right. But I can't actually, and I explained to her, I go, listen, that'd be like saying, I asked her, I go, what is your favorite color? And she's like, you know, red or whatever she said. And I go, is there a dollar amount I could pay you to make your favorite color? Now, I'm not saying for you to favor that color. I'm saying that you love that color now. Can I make you love blue? Mm -hmm. And she's like, no. And I go, that's gay thing. Like, yeah, you can make me, you can make me live a gay lifestyle but you can't make me attracted to that. A certain and, way, right. Right, and for mm -hmm. a guy, you know, there's a certain kind of like equipment situation that's got to work out for this to work out, and it's not going to work with a guy. Like, I'm just it's not, not going to respond, right. Yes, yeah. I'm not going to do that because it's not the thing that makes me happy that way. And she was like, right. I disagree. And I'm like, okay, okay, there's nothing else we can talk about. I paid for lunch. I rolled out of there, right? Just shaking my head. Like, I can't believe I had this conversation with this person. This person was of, of Mexican descent and was totally for Trump and everything else. And I got two blocks away and she calls me and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? She goes, I really had a good time. I hope we can do it again. You know, let's talk. And like, maybe this could be something I was, I had to say to her, I go, listen, you seem I, don't, I can't even <laughs> can't make, seem like a really nice person. You seem like a horrible person. <laughs> and, and I had an okay time because I'm not emotional about these things, but this is nothing that I could ever see myself doing. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I don't want to, I can find things like if I was, if I was on uh, 10 dates with you, I'm positive. I could find things that we would disagree on. And I would like to share conversations about those things because boring conversations to me are the ones that are like, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's As boring. Yeah. Let's talk about the nuance of something and let's get in the weeds about something. And then I'll learn something. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll change my position on something. That's exciting to me. So 
Like I could date someone that doesn't have exactly my political views. Right. Date someone that's in a cult. That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. Um, it seemed crazy to me that she didn't realize she was saying things that would be hurtful to right. these yeah. other people. Like that's a terrible thing for you to say. And I go, I, I have a, uh, a gay couple that's female and a gay couple that's male that I've been out to dinners with and stuff like that. And I go, I, it's never come in conversation. I don't think they've all been molested. No, it's ridiculous. Right, right. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> she was projecting her situation onto the situation. Mm-hmm. It just drove me nuts. So someone's going to listen to this, and I have Republicans that listen to this, and they're going to say, you're intolerant and all this other stuff. Yeah. I'm really not saying that. I'm, I, and I ask this of other people, too how do you see the longevity of something going on if you're right. at like you know you would have permanent furrowed brows <laughs> right it couldn't how long and just completely anxiety ridden clenching my mouth and you know just completely furious all the time no that's no i know couples that that that's how they work it out and i look at her and or him and i'm like i don't know what you're doing dude well, someone, it doesn't have to be a, like everything, no, but I think that this, like I said, is a perfect example. Like, that's one thing that I think that Trump has done is it just given this, that it like the gavel is down, you know, you know, you're just like some people, it's, it's such a division. Like, I, I think in the past, maybe before, I probably would have said I probably wouldn't date a Republican. I think it's just, if someone's really believes in some of the um, values of being conservative, I don't agree at all. And then that's going to be... Something, is there anything about a conservative at all? Is there, any, is there anything that they... I, I, there are things like, okay, I, but they don't do them is my problem. The one thing mm-hmm. I can say is like, I would like our government to only spend within the budget. Like I would like them yeah. to spend. Yeah. There's so something supposed to be conservative. Right. Right. But they, in our lifetime, do you remember there being a president that was conservative that did that? No. Right. So like, so that's almost a wash for me. That's one that one doesn't work because you don't that do doesn't it. work. I can't go right, right. to that. So in the in the catalog of conservative ideology, I, like if you look at history too, can you tell me what they're right about? Like they were against gay marriage. <laughs> You're wrong. Like that's not. You should not be against that. These people are actually trying to live in a monogamous. They're trying to be a better part of society. And you're stopping them from that. That doesn't make any sense. They're trying to do a conservative thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you are a real free thinker and everything else, you would need a piece of paper to commit yourself to somebody because it's just a piece of paper. I don't need Johnny Law right. to tell me that I'm connected with this woman. But so they're trying to do that. They were against that. They were against, you know, black people being full citizens. They were like, mm-hmm. like the thing is, is that our, our, people on our end are we doing such a terrible job because like i've spoke to you for a couple hours now and you seem very intelligent Mm -hmm. right you seem like you can obviously write you can string together a thought (laughs) right how are we doing such a bad job of explaining because if i sit down with these people sometimes i can explain something out to them 
fully. And then they're like, well, that makes sense like that. I, I almost think there's a conspiracy. This will be the one conspiracy theory that I buy into mm-hmm. that we are on the side that is designed to be the lovable losers, lose elections, to, yeah. to fail because corporate America owns the whole thing anyway. It's, it's all the market yeah. trade. Right. It's what all about money. Wrong? Like, how are mm-hmm. we not articulating our position? Because right. at one point, the conservatives thought it was okay to own people. Right. And they would and, argue that it was. Right. I think that, like, I often ask this, like when I was saying earlier, trying to find like something, a commonality, a common entry point to agree, maybe. And the best thing I can say- <laughs> Oh, wait, say, wait, wait, I gotta back and, you up. On what? Yeah, right. Oh, food. Like you're talking about with your restaurants. Let's talk about rest, like food. Something totally not um, political. I get it. Okay. All right. Something all right. not political. Yeah. Okay. Raising kids. Like Ronald Reagan you know. race. No, I can't go there. Right. right. Like kid stuff. That would be another thing that you could. Some of that stuff maybe. is like, you know, they're like, they but that could get iffy too. More like, oh, you know, yeah, food, what do you feed? I guess food. <laughs> Just, that would be it. Just food. Right, um, right. Yeah. I don't. But I kind of lost my thought on what I was going to do. No, I, no, I, you I said you would try and find some commonality. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about how would you get them to see the light, to understand that. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, 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 I had a recent conversation um, with someone who I didn't know voted for Trump and did. And, and it got, it just evolved, you know, and this person was just saying, I can't stand how the liberals, you know, they'll just keep going on and on about Trump even when he's gone because it's news and he's a personality, blah, 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 whatever. I'm, okay. Um, and then he was saying um, how much he couldn't stand how the liberals would say how stupid people are who voted for Trump. And, and I said, I've never liked that word um, for one thing, but one thing that I did say is like, I just think it's, but again, it sounds insulting. Um, it's a, it's a limited worldview. Yeah. It's just, it's a very limited worldview. And this is, there's a lot of white people, you know, and, and I, I don't want to just say, well, I won't generalize to white, but when you're in the up position in a society, historically, it is easier and easier to have that limited worldview because you're in power you're in yeah no it makes sense a higher place so it's it's um things are easier for you things happen that you you're not exposed to the the hardships and difficulties um of others that are what they're going through in society so it's going to be uh, and everything's going to filter through that lens and it filters through and then if you so if you don't expose yourself to other than what you've always known and you don't read and i don't mean read what you're coming through your newsfeed you don't actually get books and read and like really study um anything it could be an in-depth study hopefully it would be historical but in addition to that just any kind of thing that would expand your mind and if you don't expand your sphere, I think that that 
a lot of the people who voted for Trump can just, they, it, it just feeds um, ignorance. Yeah, right, 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 right. Well, so I try and seek out, I feel much better to have a conversation with you, like to have a conversation where we talk while we talk, because it seems like I'm dealing with someone who's like on the same planet I'm on. Like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're sane. Like, it, like, it seems like you've, you've thought it out, but I do seek out to have conversations with people on the other side who can have a conversation and not get like crazy or offended. Yeah, I do too sometimes. That's the one I just had. Yeah, I, I find it difficult actually sometimes to not offend them. Um, I had a conversation at a baseball game. So a woman sat down next to me and she said, okay, I'm real good friends with the woman who sold you the tickets to come. It was a big group that went to a game. Cub Sox mm-hmm. game, went to the game. And she says that you're super political. You're, you know, left guy and everything else. She goes, I'm very right. I'm very, very pro-life. She said that if I have a conversation with you, that you'll keep it civil and you will have a conversation with me about this. And I want to have a conversation about abortion. And I was like, fuck me. I'm at a baseball game. Yeah. You want to have this, this, this terrible, you want to put me on your footing. Okay. And I said, all right. I'm going to give you one inning and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> one, inning, one inning, one inning. So I turned to her and I said, all right, listen, let's have this conversation. And I go, I'm going to explain my position on this. And then you can explain to me why the government should tell people, every, every people, what they can do with their body. And right. I go, and we're going to have to get the problem on a, on a hot button issue like that is, you have to get a certain baseline of facts to deal with. Like you they want to, they want to tell you that two hundred thousand babies were just about to be born and then they scrambled their brains, and that's yeah, not, that's okay. not a thing. That's that yeah. that is something that somebody made up. And I go, okay, so I brought it back to fertility clinics, and she goes, why are you talking about that? And I go, well, how are you on that? She goes, I'm fine. I had all my three kids through that. Mm. And I'm like okay, how many embryos did you, did you have made? She's like, like 30. And I'm like, how many times did they fail? And she goes, and I go, so you don't consider that killing because you do consider it killing if it's right. the day after pill or if a woman goes in in the first trimester. I go, mm-hmm. honestly, what you're doing is the exact same thing and she goes no it's not i was never going to use and i go but you're saying it's life if it's inside of her but if it's in a test tube it's not life and then you can discard that and i go well and she said 30 and i said how many children do you have and she said three and i go 27 murders on your hands Mm. and she's like well i don't understand so then we went through the whole thing and everything else we actually got to the end of the conversation and she and it went a little more than anything she was like well Maybe you're right. And I go, here's the other thing. You're not going to outlaw, you're not going to stop abortion. What you're going to do is stop legal, healthy, safe abortions for people. People are still going to do this thing. They're going to drink something. They're going to use a coating. They're going to do something terrible to themselves that they may never recover from. Mm -hmm. And it's because you've made it a law. And then the other one that I always use is, 
if you believe I'm not a spiritual guy or religious guy in a guy in the sky who, when you die, he's going to judge you. And he watched every hair in your head and he, he did all these things and he knows you and knows what you did, knows your heart and everything else. And you made a society where this person couldn't do the thing, but they wanted to do the thing. Does that make them a good person? Right. So if you took someone, a terrible, terrible, terrible person who wanted to rape and kill and steal and everything else, and you put them on a tropical island where they couldn't do any of those things, but he was like, all I'm going to do when I get off this fucking island is I'm going to rape and steal and I'm going to, everything else, when he dies, if he dies on that island, was he a good person? And you're like, no. Yeah. And I go, so you're trying to create that in the country. You're trying to create a situation. You feel it's morally wrong, so you want to make a law that says they can't do it. How is that working in your religion it doesn't that doesn't that's not a thing right. so you know after the conversation she was like and, and she was like it was nice you know that and i go hey if you want to connect with me on facebook she goes i don't because you know you're gonna make me look dumb on facebook and i'm like <laughs> i don't have to tell you all i can tell you is that you know i'm not for if there is a situation where the woman that i'm with is in the third trimester of pregnancy and three physicians, because that's what it takes to look at her. And they say, she is going to die unless right. you abort this pregnancy. This is a fully developed person that I'm in love with. And this is a, this is a terrible thing that's going to happen. It's a very bad thing that's going to happen, mm. but it's better than the other bad thing that right. could happen. So right. that, that's the choice that I want to be left open. And then the hardliners, Ooh, the ones that are like yeah. rape and incest. I can't imagine how someone that was raped by someone would be forced to carry. And you're not just going to carry this child. You're going to raise this child. You're going yeah. to have to look at this. I mean, do you know how much like your kids probably look like you? My kids look like me. Mm -hmm. This person's going to see that person. Right. All, like it doesn't make any sense. So the hardliners, the, none of that. I, and I don't care for the hardline left. The people who are oversensitive about everything, they right. make it hard for us because I'm trying to be yeah. up here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, hey, I don't want to keep you. I know it's uh, it's almost three hours now. We've been talking. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. it's great talking to you. <laughs> I'm glad. It was very good talking to you. I'd like to do it again if, if possible. So uh, what you call it? Uh, I'm supposed to be doing this podcast and I'm supposed to be getting followers. I'm supposed to be getting like subscribers. So yeah. if anyone listening that enjoyed it and stayed till the, the very end, <laughs> time, yeah. yes, um, would, I would appreciate it if they subscribe. Um, I will edit it tonight and, and put it out there. Um, I appreciate your time. I'm going to definitely read some poetry. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind it if you read some at one point too, like that would, that, you know, like that'd be awesome. Be happy to. Good, mm -hmm. good, good. Cool. Some other time. Let me know. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye -bye. Happy Thanksgiving. If you remember. Nice holiday. Yep. Yep. All right. Bye-bye.